And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy Six Pack Lapidat with Randy Cook by my side. What do you say, boy? What? Not too much. How's everybody's life today? <laughs> I'm just peachy. Had a couple cocktails last night, haven't you? Uh, no, no, I worked. Oh. Must be nice to have that life, just sitting around drinking cocktails. Uh, that's what I do every night, right? 12 beers a night, wake up at noon. It's a tough life. Yeah, I um, how much sleep did you get last night? About three hours. Nice. So you slept in? Yeah. You slept, slept your day away, yeah. basically. Very ambitious young man. So we have today uh, Gustav Hedlund from Sweden. little fact for you. My sister is married to a speed. And I have a Swedish meatball niece. No kidding. A little Swedish meatball niece. The Lapidats are expanding into Europe. It's a European invasion. Well, Very know, slowly. I know who to send my complaints to Ikea to now. <laughs> and I'm not joking. The first time I met her husband, uh, he's over, fucking made a Swedish meatballs. And he goes, I'm, I'm making dinner. I was like, what are you making? He goes, meatballs. I'm like, of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with you? You're just buying into every stereotype. I, like, what, if, it couldn't be more stereotypical unless I put fucking maple syrup on my meatball when he served it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the shit are we doing here, sir? This is a cheesy made-for-TV movie. But you were saying, so, what I, last night, I, me and Kathleen Lee, we were watching a lot of, like, World War II movies. And um, we watched uh, Darkest Hour about Hitler, which was fucking phenomenal. If you haven't, have you seen it? No. You know the story with, like, Hitler, like, basically Hitler was attacking on the Western Front, Britain, stopped, turned around, and he was allies with Russia turn around, attacked Russia too, because his head got big. And Britain was like, right on the verge of, of uh, collapse. Like, he just, Hitler stormed through all of Western Europe, pushed the Allies right off of the continent, and, um, and Dunkirk, which is also another amazing movie, there's 300,000 British soldiers, like, like Russia, or like, sorry, uh, France fell real quick. And the, and the Brits were trying to help France. Like, these are the global powers, man. The biggest armies in the world, and they were getting annihilated by Germany. They're on the banks of Dunkirk, 300,000, and uh, Churchill, like, asked his intelligence, he's like, how many boys we got there? They're like, about 300,000. He goes, if Hitler comes in, how many are we going to have left? Like, if, if we can evacuate, because they were, they were looking at, like, a week from today. They're like, well, about, we'll have about 10% of our boys back if we, if we do it. Like, normal military stuff. We try to, because they don't have their ships and shit in place. We're going to we're gonna get about 10% of them back. The other one, they'll be annihilated. And then he's like, how many fucking troops do we got in Britain? And they're like, like damn near none. Like, that's basically, because we're, we're, they're, they're getting ravaged, right? Calls up the U.S. and the U.S. is like, sorry, can't, can't help you. You know, we're staying neutral. And that's it. And it's like, fuck, man, we're about to get, like, this is it. You know, this is it. If we fall, Western civilization, like, in Britain, like, the British Empire is fucking huge like talking australia india obviously canada we're all fighting but um, it's tough to fly overseas so anyways um they, they that's when they did the old call out to the civilians and they went in there in the civilian boats and like like tons like hundreds of people just hopped in their fucking fishing boats whatever and got them out of there like like day of it's a crazy escape and uh, long story short and then yeah then fucking hitler got way too big head when he bombed london 60 percent of london got destroyed 60%, that's like fucking Toronto or New York, London. Man, it's like one of the oldest cities. You got one of the most established cities. 60% decimated. It was crazy, man, watching that shit. And 
Anyways, yeah, it was really good. If anyone's going to watch a movie, you watch that. You'd be like, holy shit. And Hitler thought there's no way these guys aren't going to give up. And then when Churchill uh, made that speech, we'll fight them in the hills, we'll fight them in the air. You come into our land, we'll fight you street by street. Street by street. The blood will flow with our, the streets will flow with our blood. We will not surrender. And Hitler was like, we got to fight Russia, but we need, we can't do two fronts. We can't fight on two fronts. You're going to lose. He's like, there's no way you can win fighting on two fronts. So we need Britain to hurry up and fucking surrender so we could turn around and deal with Russia because Stalin was going to fight. And he couldn't fucking get the Brits to surrender. They, the Brits didn't have U.S. or anyone. They just wouldn't fucking surrender. <laughs> and then when Churchill went on the airways and said, We'll fight you in the streets. Well, Hitler was like, what the fuck do I got to do to break this guy's back? You can't. And so he's like, so that's when Hitler's like, fuck it. We're attacking Russia. Let's see what happens. And um, he fought on two fronts. And he, like, he never wanted to do that. But Stalin was forcing his hand. He was taking over chunks of Romania. And they had agreed, don't enter Romania. That's German territory. And just like Stalin was being aggressive. And Stalin knew, like, you're not going to do fuck all because you're not going to fight on two fronts. And then he ended up having to fight on two fronts. And then the U.S. also joins. And he's like, well, fuck me. Well, that's the end of this story. Because now I got it from the Western side, U.S., Britain, and, and all the allies. And then fucking a superpower like Russia on the other side. But um, you were saying... Well, it was Sweden was one of the last countries that was still doing sterilization on, on um, women over the age of 40 and stuff like that. It's basically genetic... Like trying to prove better ge genetics and stuff like that, but I was I was watching a comedian. It was actually Jim Jeffries, and he was talking about it. And he was saying that uh, it was one of the last countries. But his joke was, he goes, "If you've never been over there, he goes, goddamn, does it work? Yeah, they're just the most beautiful fucking people in the world. He says, it's just pretty people everywhere." Dude, you want to talk about blonde hair, blue eyed, fucking look at this kid we got on today, yeah. Gustav. I just pulled him up on Instagram. The kid's bodied up. He's young as fuck. He's a junior, bodied up, blonde hair, blue eyed. Fucking bikini model probably who's right. gonna smash weights, probably got a fucking piece on him. I fucking uh, watch a girl, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, they're in, um, yeah, so Sweden, I think they what were they were obviously allies in the wars as well, but it's it's truth in terms of like, not uh, really, they were pretty fucking neutral, man. They just swung whatever way the fucking whoever decided was they were gonna fucking I, win. They didn't, well, Sweden didn't really do shit, dude. Well, I don't see, I don't know about, I'd have to be searching. You don't know? Well, so, here's the thing, like, Romania, for instance, I just mentioned Romania, Lapidas, Romania, not, but I got fucking a million, you know, background in me. Romania was, um, like, kind of neutral when Germany came in and was like, hey, look, because Russia started taking pieces of Romania. Russia started moving further and further west, took Lithuania, Ukraine, Finland, just was like, it sounds like we're fucking rolling. When, when Germany rolls in there to Romania and said, um, we'll arm you and push back Russia, Romania's like, fuck it, let's roll. Because it's survival at that point. It's not like, oh, did they become the axis of evil as well? It's like, it's different. It's not, it's, it's not all Nazis, right? It's kind of like, it, what, what is our threat right now? We're about to get taken over by fucking Russia. Well, how many times can your country get rolled over, right? I mean, Germany yeah. rolled over, then they might as well like, fuck it, we got to stop somebody from taking... And, and we, got two, we got two buildings left in the city here. We need someone... Well, and not only that, yeah, some kind of stability. None of that. Stalin, like, would starve people out, whatever. Germany, I think, when they took over, they were like, you just, you're still Romanian. You're not, you're not part of the Soviet Union. Like, they weren't, like, making you be German. They're like, you're still Romanian. Fuck it. You do your own thing. Whereas when Stalin comes in, they're like, you're part of the Soviet bloc. Your, your whole system is now communist, blah, blah, blah. So 
that's why when Germany came in, they're like, we're going to restore your lands and you're still Romania. They're like, fuck it. Let's do it. This, let's, let's hang with that. Uh, just got an update from Gustav. Have to, I don't know, whatever. I think he's adding Skype right now. But, um, but yeah, so talking about, um, talking about like the genetic engineering shit, the, the Germans, man, like the head, NASA went and recruited like high up Nazis because they're so ahead with that the, Those scientists were so ahead. Like some of them, they were, they were charged war crimes. Some of them were like, let's give these motherfuckers some jobs. Well, the, 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 the Germans are smart as shit with that. Well, the thing is, they were smart all over the board on a lot of different things. Like what people don't know, you know, most of the military equipment that they had was far beyond what anyone else had. The only difference was is that it was costing them, you know, 10 times to build one tank, what Russia could build 10 tanks for. So you could have the best tank in the world for fucking one tank, but literally the Russians were building 10 to one. So yeah. when you're building 10 to one, you got one tank, you got to take out 10 other people. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, so it's, it's a different thing. So the genetics, the whole thing is, is different stuff. But I mean, in, in the US, it was, you know, for scientists and stuff like that, they're paid for their imagination. They're paid to be able to create stuff. In Germany, they weren't paid to create shit. They were fucking forced to create shit. Yeah, they were still capitalists, though. They weren't commie. Commie sons of bitches. Well. They were commie sons of bitches. He, he wasn't really nice to them. He was a gentleman. And yeah. a gangster. <laughs> a big, so yeah. Well, there's another thing. We're turning this into a fucking World War Two podcast. But um, Stalin, here's another thing. When he when they attacked Finland, so they're still allies with Germany at the point, and he attacked Finland, and they were so like Finland is fucking fraction of Russia, and Finland was kicking the shit out of him initially, and Stalin was so pissed off. He's like, all the generals who who I ordered the attack and failed have to be executed and had them all shot and then Germany when they were like when Hitler was like I'm wondering if Russia's gonna attack or if they're gonna keep the truce and be allies and then when he heard all that shit in Finland and then him shooting him he's like we don't gotta worry about the Russians not only can they not fight for shit he kills his own generals we don't gotta kill him for <laughs> we don't gotta kill his generals he'll do it for us he's like he totally thought like Stalin's you know he started underestimating Stalin and then uh, eventually they took Finland but yeah like you 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 feel and then when Germany turned around and attacked Russia, and, and Stalin was taken by surprise, he was, like, he was telling everybody beforehand, like, they're not going to attack. They're not going to attack. Because there's, they'd be stupid to attack us if Germany, or sorry, if Britain hasn't um, already like, surrendered. Like, surrendered because it's a war on two fronts. And then when they attacked, they blitzkrieg and fucking kicked the shit out of Russia initially. And then he had all his generals that were on the front lines killed because, like, you guys should have known better. It's like, dude. You're like the, he, he was basically like, who, whoever's responsible for that fuck up should die. It's like, then shoot your fucking self, man. Because you... <laughs> you said it wouldn't happen. Yeah, but that's the type of dude that Stella was. That's why like you got two evil people on top. And then we had to broker a deal with Stella, for God's sake. It's like making a deal with the devil. But um, anyways, now I got to look up fucking what happened with Sweden in the war at some point. Just messaging our friend right now. So Gustav won the junior 93 kilo class, and um, it's rare, but uh, he actually, as a junior, out-totaled the open, the, open the, the fellas in the open, which was L.S. McClain. Now, a little bit of a caveat with that. L.S. normally, like, he's hit 840, and he, um, he's good for 840 or, or beyond, probably, but got crazy sick the night before, did what he had to to win, and that's what you do when you're a champ, you pull it out. But 
the staff got an 830 kilo total, which is, it's rare. That I think, I think in the men's, only Gustav in 93 and Hunt in 105 out-totaled, juniors out-totaled what happened in the Open. And that doesn't happen very often. It's also, it's an inclination that, um, like, okay, LS had a bad day, but also, man, the future's fucking scary. If this guy's a junior doing that. Yeah, when you look at it, too, is you got some juniors that are popping into the Open, though, too, because Danielle. Yeah. This is true. Hack. Yeah, you gotta do. These are junior. people that these are people that were juniors that just stepped into the open when they didn't need to, and no total people. So yeah. it, it makes you wonder if Gustav now, if it's like, fuck, man, do you wish you would have went into the open? And maybe that's something we should ask him because being a junior world champion is pretty dope. Obviously, being a world IPF world champion is amazing, but being the open world champion, he would be fuck it. Like you're, yeah, it's just yep. that's it. That's it. That's the pinnacle of our sport. Um, so I mean, it, it's kind of. Be interesting to see what his take is. If he looks back and says, "Fuck, like how do you know?" Because eight thirty normally would not beat LS. And, and but that's here's the thing with sports. Sometimes the champ comes in. It's not one hundred percent. Everybody has an off day. There's just so many fucking factors. And LS night before was, was sick as fuck. Had a rough cut the whole nine, shivering like cold sweats. Just got out eight twenty. By the grace of fucking skin of his teeth, he he won. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, man, that's one of those sports things. Eh? And you look back and you're like, fuck me, I should have went in the Open. I could be the Open World Champion right now. Bodied up, blonde hair, blue eyed, this kid is jacked to shit. Let's give this fucking kid a ring, huh? Yeah, let's give him a call. <laughs> Enough of the foreplay. Quite lonely. <laughs> you, you. We had uh, we a drop off. Uh, some guys dropped off, uh, I believe. You fucking slut. Well, after they seen what you were going to total, I would have fucking dropped off too. But yeah, I'm good. I'll, <laughs> I'll save my money for the trip to Canada. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. 105 kilo separation between gold and silver? That is so, insane. Only 5 kilo uh, between silver and bronze. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll call you on my phone, then. Uh, uh, you mean call back, sir? Yeah, because uh, I have to like, uh, I, I'm, this is the computer, okay. and then yeah, I'll just uh, take the phone instead. Sounds yeah. good, buddy. Sounds good. Yeah, call in five seconds. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, see ya. Yeah. I like his accent. Fucking, uh, damn, man. Absolutely kick the shit out of these poor fellas. 105 it's, kilo? But what's funny, though, is the next, the next three is tight. Like you look at that, it's 725, 727. You know how discouraging it is to be like, if you're in silver, if you're in silver position and you weren't paying attention, and you were like, yo, uh, what I gotta pull to get gold? Like, we're gonna take a 105 kilo jump if that's what you want. <laughs> you, well, let's see. You gotta pull about 2,000 pounds. Uh, you think? But that podium finish for the for for bronze and gold was fucking tight, man. Like, and that's the thing. These guys probably went in there thinking, top three, you know, we'll have a good run at this. Fucking. Fucking hell. The IPF World Championships we're talking about, just in case anybody's listening, we kind of cut in quick. But uh, Gustav Hedlund of Sweden won the 93 kilo juniors with a... Hey, hey, what's up, man? Hey, guys. I hope you can see me. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know what? Was it better before? <laughs> I think it was better before. 
it might it might actually be it might actually be better uh how we had it before okay yeah maybe the uh, sound is weird yeah yeah it sounds better the way before maybe we'll go back to the other way what do you think yeah it's the quality of the pod is the main thing i guess yeah 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 let's do it before let's 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 do it like you had it before sir yeah okay Later. And then when he calls back, when he calls back, I'm like, you know what? Hate to be that guy. I'm gonna have to have you video in again. You know what? I just and that's how you assert dominance on these podcasts. So that's how you gotta. Okay, sir. Oh. Yeah, that sounds way better. So we're just talking. Um, So going into these world championships. I mean, holy smokes! Did you you put a beating on these poor guys? Did you did you realize this year was going to be that far ahead? Uh, I kind of guessed it because I was thinking of going uh, to compete in the opens. Yeah, and and we were just saying, um, funny that you said that. It's very rare that um, the junior out out totals whoever's in the open, and it was LS McLean who's. A multiple time now world champion so he's no joke but uh you actually would have won the open with your 830 yeah yeah and then uh, my 830 was only six lifts oh no shit that's true so uh, it didn't really go to uh, as planned but uh, it still was a uh, uh, junior world record and pb by five kilos so were you in terms of um, leading into the world championships, how is training going? I'm assuming it's going good. Yeah, it went really good. The training, uh, everything followed uh, as we had planned. Uh, I hit all the workouts correctly. Nothing mm-hmm. was off, no injury, uh, no pain. Uh, but then uh, the time in Canada when the competition was, it was uh, seven p.m. the latest uh, start time uh, I think and uh, that time in Sweden is equivalent to 3 a.m. yeah and that's you so, know we talk about that like so many people don't take this into consideration that like you guys coming from Europe some people coming from Asia huge yeah. flights huge time zone differences and it affects yeah. you like it 100% yeah. will the, the flight was really good. I, I actually stood up like two hours the whole flight. I oh, just no. walked around the plane yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't get stiff. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was the time difference because I woke up the morning I was supposed to compete or the day. I woke up uh, 5 a.m. And I had went to bed like 2 a.m. Oh, wow. But, but I guess the body like... Uh, now, now's the time to wake up yeah, because the, it's morning in Sweden. Yeah, the internal clock. Like, yeah, but it's 5 a.m. in Canada. I was like, and I woke up in the bed and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it, and you didn't have to lift until later on that night. Yeah, it was like uh, 12 hours until I was going to compete. So I was, uh, I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Do you do, a, do you do a big weight cut for this? Uh, no, I do no weight cut at all, so I could eat during yeah. the day. And I, yeah, looking at this, you weighed in at 91 kilos, so you were well under. You and then I had eaten 
that day as well. Yeah, and and you could probably could have ate all day because you didn't lift until the evening. So you're yeah. you're probably like, could you actually make eighty three kilo? You think, or are you just that's way too big a weight cut? It's not too big of a weight cut, but I guess I I listened to the other guy uh, who did the weight cut from uh, America. Charles Charles Charlie Dixon. Charles exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he, I guess, he weighs almost as much as I do during yeah. training. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and cuts to eighty three. Yeah, and he's an absolute monster. But he also said um, it's kind of dicey because sometimes he cuts and he feels great and, and he hits it, and sometimes yeah. like he's it's it's kind of like a fifty fifty type thing, right? Yeah, um, it helps in the U.S. when they have their raw nationals. Uh, sometimes they have like what they call prime time, so they weighed in. And then the guys who are like the A class, A flight, lifts later on in the evening, and he has like an even bigger uh, time to like re rehydrate and get. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes it works in his favor, but the world championships he's had straight up two hours. Yeah, I guess it's the kind of a rule. I yeah. get through to two hours, maybe two and a half is acceptable. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're gonna try to make it as close as possible, but when things come up. It just is what it is. Not like the U.S. Raw Nationals, they do it on purpose, but um, some years, like the U.S. Raw Nationals has got like over a thousand. I think they have more lifters than the IPF World Championships, to be honest. Yeah. It's, so yeah. trying to squeeze yeah. everybody in gets tough. Yeah, it's a big country. Yeah. Oh, they're <laughs> huge. Yeah, they got like 350 yeah. million people or some shit like that, which is like half of Europe anyways. But yeah. Uh, so you knew, so who are some of these guys that you thought might be showing up the world championships, but didn't? Uh, there was, actually even before the drop-offs, there were no real threat. Uh, but uh, it, <laughs> it was uh, a guy from the Netherlands. I yeah. think you you saw him in Minsk okay. competing against me gotcha. uh, in 2017. Uh, Bob uh, from the Netherlands. He, 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 he sprained his foot or something. Gotcha. And, what and was, he, he can do 800 total, uh, I guess. Yeah, but that's just not good. Yeah, he sprained his foot looking at that plane ticket. Yeah, yeah. No fucking yeah, I, but, but uh, the funny thing is, he uh, he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I talked to him uh, later uh, or before. He couldn't. Uh, he he could not refund his plane ticket. Oh no! So, but so then he was like, oh, I'm still going to come watch you compete. And I'm like, oh, great. See you at the hotel. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, you, you have to fill out that immigration form. Or what, the travel, the ETA, travel thing for Canada. Yeah. But then he, I think he got arrested some years ago. So he uh... couldn't find the report for that. So he couldn't board the plane for that reason. <laughs> Damn. They're tough on that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Kazakhstan lifters who couldn't make it either. Some countries it's easier than others. Uh, yeah. But if you come in from certain countries, they'll be uh, that'll pick up on the mic. So they'll uh, like it's really tough to get a visa from like certain nations. I think. Well, it's not just that; it depends on the charges, federal charges. Like it charges. It depends on what they are. We'll allow you in or not. Really? Yeah. Like if it's if, I it's, think if, it's, it was minor, not, if it's a minor like uh, something you know drunk in a public place something like that they'll let you in but like a DUI. I think uh, I think it was not some it was not a like bank robbery or anything no, like I that but it was. <laughs> I think it's just a murder, right? Yeah, but, yeah, murder. <laughs> yeah, but he, he just needed to like uh, get some paper from the police and yeah. then it would have been okay. But he didn't get it in time. 
So wow. it was uh, just a time thing. So yeah. So how long have you been lifting now? I've been lifting since 2015, late or middle of 2015. Three I started. Years. Three years. God. Damn. So were you were you weightlifting before this, or was that just like how long you had powerlifting? Uh, I was weight. That's how long I've been competing in powerlifting. But I was weightlifting maybe like uh, two years before that, but I did, I did not do squats and deadlift. Holy smokes, man, you did all this in three years? So you must have some crazy good genetics. Like, do you, do you have siblings? Uh, I have a brother. And is he jacked up like you? No, he's not. He's not? He... <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have good genetics in my family. He's... I certainly have. My, uh, my grandfather is... Uh, I guess his, his father could carry like 200 kilo oil barrels. Jesus! But, so, uh, That's 440 pounds! So what was he carrying these oil barrels for? That was, no, it was just for like show off. He, he, <laughs> he was actually an owner of a construction company, a quite ah, big one in Sweden. Uh, but he, he, yeah, he, I saw a photo of him when he was like 65 years old and he had arms bigger than most people's legs. Yeah, yeah, just like... When he was this old dude. So yeah. I guess uh, it goes in the family strength. Yeah. But yeah. none compete in strength sport. Yeah. So, until I did. So how did you find... How did you start weightlifting? Like what made you start? Did, was your father or anyone like that into weightlifting before? Uh, my dad did a bit of weightlifting uh, but that was like nothing serious. Like he, he, do, he did only like bench press, but he benched like 140 kilos uh, when he was 18, I think. Oh, wow. And he didn't really train. Uh, that. It, he, it was like in the military he did it or something. Yeah. But uh, he did not really pass anything on to me, but like that. <laughs> but I, I, I always found the gym to be interesting. <laughs> So, when I was like a, when you were a kid and could not be in the gym because you were too young, I always looked into the gym like, oh, what's what's going on in here? Yeah, <laughs> and like I uh, felt uh, the attraction to the gym. What what was was there like somebody that uh, that you looked up to and the reason why you started weightlifting, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type or something like that? Like why why did you all of a sudden gravitate towards the gym? Uh, Probably from the movies, uh, like you, you wanted a good body, you wanted to be big, yeah. of course. Uh, and I don't know, I, I, I tried a couple of sports, but I never felt like it was my thing. Yeah. I, I never got the connection, like I was like, oh, yeah, kick up football, yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, uh, I felt some connection to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I was always like, you really wanting to go to the gym and then I started to go there when I was 15 I got my first membership and then all of a sudden so were you going with all your friends uh, a couple of friends uh, went to the gym with me uh, and then I, I made a lot of friends at the gym uh, I guess and, and did you were you when you started going was it pretty quick and evident that you were strong yeah, yeah, I guess, or I guess, I, I benched uh, 80 kilos, like, my first time at the gym, and then it just, like, it grew from there. I remember my bench, uh, 
like a month later I started, I did uh, 100 kilos for reps. Because I did a lot of push-ups when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, how did you end up finding powerlifting? Uh, powerlifting, I went, uh, when I started to go to the gym, and I got, like, uh, quite good gains by only doing uh, bench, uh, lats, and biceps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, leg machines maybe I did as well. But uh, I was just, like, jerking around. Uh, but uh, I was, like... Uh, I always wanted to compete in something. I wanted yeah. to like be. Uh, I, w I wanted to like uh, show show my strength in some way. Yeah. And then uh, I looked at like strongman stuff uh, on YouTube, and I was like, oh, okay, but maybe you need to be two meters tall to do that. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's kind of hard to compete in that. Um, and then I looked at bodybuilding, and I was like, okay, but you don't show any strength in bodybuilding. So that kind of blew away quite fast. And then I came across uh, actually Jess Norris on the ah, YouTube. Yeah, in Jesse's, uh, in Jesse's world as dudes, for some reason he never ends up with the IPF World Championships, but he's he's absolute beast when it comes to like a 93 yeah. kilo. He actually was at the IPF Worlds uh, when he was a uh, sub junior equipped. and junior yeah, in the in equipped lifting. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, and then he, I think he got into an accident and something, and then he uh, he only has done like local meets, I guess. Yeah, and he, and like the U.S. nationals, uh, he's won yeah. a couple times, but um, like I always I want to see him at the worlds, you know and. Rig, man, because he's a beast, and it's it'd be yeah. a shame. It's a shame when like, you know, the, like one of the best lifters in the weight class just never gets there. Because yeah, the world, it's, and that's uh, where the world it, competes. It feels like uh, it feels like uh, something's missing then when not the best people come. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I seen someone so, make a make a T-shirt about him a while ago. Said so things that are absolute in this world, like the sky's blue, the grass is green, and. Nobody has repped 495 more than Jesse Norris. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, Jesse Norris' reps, this guy does volume like a monster. It's always 495, 10s, 12s, 15s, 20s. Which is like 225 kilo for anyone listening from Europe. Yeah. But yeah, he's always 225 kilo for like 12 reps, no matter what the hell he does. He loves his, his volume. Yeah, uh, that, what, uh, that was uh, what got me started. I watched him and I was like, "Oh shit, he's uh, he's jacked. He he's lift he's lifting uh, is cool. Uh, I I want to be like that." Yeah, I said. mission accomplished, my friend. So I wonder what Jesse Norris is gonna think listening to this, being like, "Fuck me, you're like someone I gotta deal with now." Cause you're at how old are you right now? I'm 23. 23. So you are moving into the open now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so walking into the world championships, what was your projected total that you wanted? Uh, 862. Holy damn! Yeah. That was, so, 862, so what was, uh, how did you project, like, where'd you come with, up with that number? Uh, we did, uh, I did 825 last year, uh, so then we did, uh, like, uh, calculation or calculation we we me and my coach talked like uh, 
what do you think? And he said, like, maybe 310 squat, uh, 208 bench, and 340, 345 deadlift. And then we said, like, yeah, we're going to hit place those numbers for Worlds then. Plus minus a couple of kilos, of course, but uh, around there. So 862 would have, like, absolutely smashed um, the open, obviously. So when you guys were thinking that, and you're thinking 862... Um, a year later, 3 to 4%. That's what they were looking at. 3 to 4%. Is that 3 to 4%? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, so it's... Uh, and I feel... Uh, I, I know I have it in my body to mm -hmm. do it. But I just need to get a, get a good competition uh, to perform at and get all my shit together. Yeah. Then, so I know I, I have it, or pro, and probably more later. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, if that's the case, you could be the first 93 kilo lifter in the IPF to hit a 900 kilo total down the road. I mean, that's, uh, that's my goal, actually. Is it? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. shit. And here's the thing, everybody remembers who was first. You know, like, it doesn't matter if, if 20 years from now, um, you know, all the 93 kilo guys are in the, in the 900 kilo range, everybody remembers who did it first. And at your yeah. rate, like, if you could hit that, that'd be absolutely phenomenal. So going in there expecting that total, why, why did you decide to go into a, the juniors instead of the open? Uh, because I know that there were two juniors competing in the 2017's uh, championship, and they... They didn't do so well. They they didn't they uh, didn't get their total, and I maybe think that it was because the, they when they got going going up against the big guys, they you get nervous maybe and uh, lose uh, focus or you feel like oh and I need to perform now and so I was thinking if I wasn't ready or something, but obviously I was. But uh, yeah, I didn't want to like uh, gamble anything. Yeah. But, but the funny thing is, the Opens had a much better start time. They had like the first in the morning, 9 a.m. Yeah. So it would have been perfect for, for, from the time in Sweden. Ah. So I saw that later and I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, as luck would have it, I mean, 8.30-1-1 would have won the Open World Championships regardless. 8.60 yeah. would have fucking slaughtered it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think if I would have had a better start time, I would have gotten uh, at least 20 kilo more. I and think so. What was, what was Ashton's at that? It was still going to be like 8, 840-ish. 840, 845, 850, I think? Yeah, like he's not 860. No, I was just asking. But he's, uh, he, I, I he, he, could, he could hit 860 or 850, he's, I think. Because he's young. He's, he's young like you. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's a strong guy. Yeah, they're all moving like you guys are moving so quick. And here's the thing, L.S. McLean, um, he's, he's 40. So his, his rate of progression probably isn't going to be like you guys, I'm assuming. But he's also a beast, like he's been around forever. So the next World Championships, not only are you, is it going to be your debut in the Open, it's also in Sweden. Yeah, so that's uh, really good. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and I think uh, when uh, when when there is a powerlifting competition in Sweden, everything is top notch, or is it? Is because it? Uh, yeah, like our nationals is really good. Everything works really really well. The warm up rooms are really well are really good. 
uh, and they had even before this world, the next next worlds, they had a test competition at the arena. Really? The European veteran competition, something. Yeah. Ma European Masters. Sorry. Oh, got you in the exact same arena. Just see yeah. how it all runs and works. Exactly. Out That's an what, awesome yeah. idea. What they need to fix and how how everything's gonna perform, so it can take. Uh, so nothing goes wrong, basically. Yeah, yeah, because things come up. I mean, this this year's Worlds, it, it went pretty smooth, like no no major mess ups. But the one platform early goings was kind of getting beat up, and and it was it was like really wobbly and dense on it. But they ended up fixing it, and everything was okay. But yeah, things always pop up that are yeah. unexpected. You know. Yeah. So uh, it will be really nice when it's in uh, Sweden. So it will be a good, uh, like the first years in Open. Uh, so it will be, uh, I think it will be good. Isn't it where Ileko's made? Yeah. 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 Ileko is, uh, they have their headquarters in Halmstad. It's uh, very close to uh, the place where uh, the Worlds is going to be at. And uh, so are you going to, do you feel like, because it's your Open you know, it's your debut into the Open. It's in Sweden. Um, are you like? There's probably going to be a lot of friends and family there from from yourself. I'm assuming. Yeah. Is there added pressure, or or is it? I mean, obviously, you're going to have the advantage of uh, you know time zone, travel, all these things, which are huge. People don't even realize how much it can impact your performance. So that's all an advantage for yourself. But yeah. is there is there it, does it feel pressure, or is it too far out to even think about that? I know, uh, of course, the pressure is going to be bigger when it's like uh, your home, uh, your home country. Uh, so, uh, of course, people will be like, oh, we're going to come watch you compete, and uh, everybody expects uh, a lot of things. But uh, you do, you put up, to you put up the total you do, uh, like regardless. Yeah. I think you have to think in those ways. You do your stuff, and no yeah. matter who, who's watching, no matter who, what other people do. You do your total, and uh, do your best. And and do when you're training, um, do you scout other people and watch what other people are doing on social media and things like that? Uh, of course, I. That was how I began to get like knowledge in lifting. I was I I looked like, oh, this this guy has world records. These guys are the best. Uh, what do they do? How do they lift? And I like, of course, watch how they do it because I want a world record too. Mm. So uh, I, I always try to like uh, see if anybody's doing anything good, and uh, get to get some uh, to get some uh, some of their secrets or <laughs> what is it? But watching them sometimes when you see like the numbers they're moving, do you ever fall into that trap where you're like? Oh man, he's moving whatever kilo for this many reps, and you try to do the same, and or do you just say, "Look, I don't care what he's doing. I'm on my own path," and you don't pay too much attention to that? Uh, a couple of, uh, of the years ago, I did that more. I think I was like, uh, if I saw some guy who competed in '93, and I was like, "Oh, he's doing that," I have to try too. But uh, I think uh, now that I have a coach, I. Uh, uh, that has like uh, gone away a bit. And how did? Who is your coach, and how did you meet your coach? Uh, my coach is Alexander Eriksson. Uh, he was the 
or he was. He's an equipped lifter and a raw lifter. He had a junior world record in '74, uh, both raw and equipped. Oh, no kidding. Wow. And how did you meet him? Uh, we met at uh, some competitions here in Sweden. And uh, then uh, we have like a junior, sub junior, junior development team. And he, of course, he's in that team. So then we met over there and like talked and uh, we agreed on so many things. And it was like, it went so well. Yeah. And uh, I knew that he did programming and stuff. So then... Yeah, it went very well, sir. How, yeah. What's this development team? That's kind of interesting. Because uh, yeah. so what do they have set up? Uh, we basically have a team at, uh, the federation, the Swedish federation, picks out uh, the good uh, or, or sub junior and junior lifters that they think are gonna be good, and uh, basically we have four training camps a year, and we have access to like uh, if you have any injuries, uh, like I don't know what their titles are really, but it's uh, in English. Uh, but they basically help with movement and stretching and recovery. Physiotherapy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that's... So we, we have two guys working with the team. Once, a, uh, once, once again, another country that, that puts money into their sports and, 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 and adapts to the younger generations. And that's why like Canada sucks on sports. <laughs> well, I mean, we're good at powerlifting. No, I'm not saying we're not good, it's just like... Look, but that's look, such look, a good idea. Yes. The only yeah. problem is with Canada, we're fucking huge, man. Like you could, you could you could fit all of U.S. and Europe in terms of geographic. Like we can't all meet in one spot. Yeah, but we're we're a tenth of the population. And they uh, they actually fly or fly. They the federation pays for people to yeah, travel. Holy so. smokes, man! Because it is like if you scout juniors, sub juniors, and and like like you pick the cream of the crop, and then like the, just the exchange of information is huge. And you meet guys like you met. And yeah. Meet at this development. But yeah, training camps, four training camps a yeah. year, them being able so, to enter and learn from each other and so, be able to learn from something. Yeah. How did you get that money? Is it sponsored by Alika? Uh, the training or what? Yeah, for those training camps, and they fly. What like the federation? How does the federation get all that money? Uh, we get it from the government, I guess, oh. and stuff. So it's not Alika that doesn't pay for anything, but they sponsor the federation. Gotcha. Uh, but the, the Swedish Powerlifting Federation uh, fixes all that, so people can travel and stay. We have like a in Stockholm, the capital. We have a, like a sports facility for very many sports, and then we stay there. At they have like a hotel, and then we stay there over a weekend uh, and lift and stuff. Damn man, this sounds like how athletes would be treated for the Olympics. And I don't even think Canada does that for Olympic athletes, man. No. Like, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, I guess different nations are, it depends where you want to send your money. But uh, that really helps the Swedish, because the Swedish powerlifting team is very strong. Um, I mean, obviously, Isabella, Isabella von Weisenberg is, is a big star over there. Um, what what about Sofia? Do you know the, uh, and what's going on with her? Uh, Sofia... Uh... Which one? We have two, I think. Uh, the 52 kilo... Is it Loft? Oh, yeah, she, her, yeah. Uh, she's actually just uh, 
she didn't, or she, her last competition was in 2015, I guess. Or 16 of it, because I, I was the commentator the last time. Oh, maybe 16. Yeah. Yeah, in Kiel, Texas. Yeah, and she yeah. won, she's won like... Three, four times, or three. three. Yeah, four, four, three or four times she's a world champion, and then boom, uh, we never see her again. No, like, I think she took like a break from powerlifting, and... Uh, and she got pregnant, <laughs> ah. so uh, she has. Uh, she took like yeah, another uh, direction, or what do you say? Yeah, yeah, and she's young too, so she could always come back. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I told her because she had uh, like the highest uh, Wilkes points in Sweden for a while in the raw category. Yeah, she had done like uh, five hundred and twenty-four points. And now uh, me and uh, Eddie Berglund has beat uh, the, those points. <laughs> so I said, uh, I said to her, like, you have to come back and uh, take your points back. <laughs> That's right. Now, now the challenge has been laid. Yeah. Nicely done. So go, going, like, in terms of your training, and you're saying there's, a, there's been quite a bit of a difference from when you first started. How does your training look now? Once you've got a coach and, and you guys started exchanging information, what does your training look like now? Uh, my training looks like uh, it depends a bit on uh, what competitions I'm gonna do, because we we look like uh, oh we're gonna do these these competitions, and then we'll lay out the training according to that. Uh, in in the perspective of hitting the peaks correctly. Yeah. So uh, for example, now I'm gonna do a, it's a competition at a venue here in Stockholm. Uh, in October and then in late November we have the European Championship so that uh, the first uh, competition is like it's not a it's not a real serious or it's, it's it's serious but it's only a it's it's not an international competition yeah so we're gonna hit uh, the first uh, uh, the first uh, height of the peak is going to be at that competition following up to the Europeans mm -hmm. because we do like uh, a couple of weeks out we do two reps at uh, 91% or, or stuff like that uh, in order to get ready for the competition and do you do so you do percentage based or do you do RPE for your training uh, percentage based we do we hit uh, the weights, uh, but, but of course the weights can change. It's nothing that's uh, made in iron, or what do you say? Yeah, it's uh, not set in stone. Yeah, so we can, uh, the, the numbers can change a bit, but we usually do it in, the, in, the, in percentage. And do you do like, in terms of phases, um, do you do like big volume phases, like your boy Jesse Norris who's doing like sets of 12? Or, yeah. Uh, you do? Yeah, I very often do that, and without belt as well. And do you, do you bring it in, like how, when does the volume taper off, or are you always, because some people, like for instance, a Joey Flex, um, I, I got some coaching for him for a couple of competitions, and uh, he would do, oftentimes, like there would be a volume phase like normal, but there would be like single or whatever, but then back it off and round up some volume. Um, do you do stuff like that as well? Uh, we keep the volume quite high, but... Uh not uh, as we go into the closer to the competition i think maybe five or maybe six weeks out uh, the volume kind of stops 
uh, a bit. We only go down to like eight reps then, and that, and not for so many sets. Mm. Because otherwise, I usually do like uh, 10, 12 reps uh, for uh, at least four sets. Holy, wow! Uh, and how many days a week will you be squatting, deading, and benching? Uh, I do heavy deadlifts on Monday and heavy bench, and then I do light squats, uh, maybe with bands, rubber bands and stuff, uh, on the Thursday. Then I do accessories on Wednesday and on. Uh, no, it was yeah Thursday. I do deads, uh, light deads, uh, conventional, mm. because I do sumo on uh, Monday, and then on uh, Saturday I do squats, uh, heavy squats, and heavy bench. And um, when going into the competitions, do you do a lot of assistance work, like variations in terms of your your squats, deads, and bench? You're saying you're using bands as well. Uh, that's actually something I just started doing. Uh, this like uh, afterwards before I did not do any accessories in that kind of way but now I've added uh, bands in the bench uh, in the squat and I do a bit of bands in uh, conventional deadlift as well sometimes and do you uh, what do you find you get from the bands just helping on your lockout or yeah I see to work the lockout and to get the speed through the lift. But I only do, I don't do really, I, d I do it on the uh, extra day when I lift. So I have like one, uh, the heavy deadlift, uh, 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 heavy deadlift training. I don't, uh, I don't do any variation in that kind of matter, except uh, for pause uh, squats. No, no, pause deadlift. Awesome. When you saw you do pause deadlift, yeah. Yeah, you do pause deadlifts as well? Yeah, uh, but I do that on heavyweights as well, yeah. because otherwise I do it on the, the I do accessories on the lighter weights. And do you do um, do you do singles much in training? Uh, sometimes I like to work up uh, to a heavy single, and then I go down and do uh, all the working sets. And um, I know some of the questions we were getting for you. Uh, well, one first off. I actually got, uh, how do you know Brett Gibbs? Are you associated with Brett somehow? Because he actually mentioned to me um, that I should have you, have you on the podcast. Uh, not really. Uh, I, I like uh, <clears throat> wrote to him on Instagram and said like uh, congratulations when he competed and all those kind of stuff. And I actually, I, I have actually met him in Minsk. Yeah. In 2017, I met him in a galleria. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it's only been like, uh, hey, good work, man, and stuff like that. Yeah, because he messaged me out of nowhere and said, you should have this guy on the podcast. And I was like, really? I thought like, I was like, how do you know this dude or whatever? But yeah, he was like, you should have this, you should have this kid on the podcast. He's good. I was like, all right, let's 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 shoot a message over. <laughs> yeah. So, Apparently you caught his eye, sir. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Brett Gibbs is a good lifter, so that's uh, something uh, yeah, that's, I'm proud of. That's some heavy kudos, that's for sure. Yeah. If, if guys like Brett Gibbs got an eye on you, be like, this, this yeah. guy would be a good uh, interview. Um, yeah. I know you were getting some questions on, on your anything, because uh, you had posted. 
um, whoever, whoever wanted to ask you questions or some topics. What are some of those questions that you got off of your Instagram? It was about how much bodybuilding I do or accessory work, I think. Uh, well, let's see here. Do you, tra do you track your macros? Uh, no, I actually don't, but I will have to soon because I've added weight uh, now that I eat so much red meat. Ah, how much, how much do you weigh now? Uh, after I've eaten uh, five times a day, I weigh 95. Five times a day? How, yeah. so how many calories do you eat? Uh, I haven't really get a real good, I haven't calculated everything, but I guess it's, uh, it's more than the 4,000, I think. Oh, damn. So you're Three, well, 4,000. You're a well-fed lad. So was the plan? Um, to gain size and have to water cut into 93 to get bigger? Uh, yeah, I want to add muscle uh, so I feel, feel up to class because all the competitions I've weighed in like 90, 91. Uh, so I think I have a couple of more kilos before I have to do uh, the cuts. And how tall are you? I'm 179 centimeters tall. How many? Do you know what that is in feet and inches? Five, nine, maybe. Shit, that's me. But so you are, you are huge. You are jacked, man. Because I've seen pictures of you, and you are absolutely jacked. Like no body fat on you at all. You would be an absolute monster if you were floating around. I don't know what if he's like two ten ish. In terms of freedom units. Yeah. That's fucking. If he was jacked, only carrying man. like an extra five pounds, he'd be. So a... how hard do you think it'll be to add more muscle? Because you're already so muscular. He's young. Are you gonna have to do like a lot more body? Because you do so many reps. But he's young. He is young. Yeah. He's got time to put on some. Damage. I feel. Uh, I feel. I. I usually do a lot of reps. Um, so I think that helps a lot. He's, uh, he's and I feel. I, I know that my body's growing because I get all these uh, stretch marks. I get new ones all the time, so yeah. <laughs> I know that I'm growing. How much did you How much did you weigh when you started three years ago? Uh, I actually weighed eighty kilos something. Whoa! Eighty five. Put on like fifteen kilo. That's huge. But and then, uh, you're also super but, young. Yeah, yeah. I I think I've grown a couple of centimeters. Yeah. But I uh, I have lost or not lost. Uh, I was uh, I had no I had very little body fat then as well. Yeah. But I've uh, I've added uh, quite a lot of kilos in the muscle. Yeah, to say the least. But that's the thing when you're that young, you're even growing taller. Like you're just your whole frame is getting bigger. And when you see yeah. like a teenager, and then you see somebody who's in their twenties, there's a difference. Especially like early twenties when you, and you started lifting. Like it's a whole another, it's like a boy to man situation. So yeah. What, what are some of those other questions you got? Uh, it was the, how much accessory work I do compared to the, the what do you say, uh, the base lifts uh, and accessories, how much I do the split. And, and what, what is the, what's the answer to that? I do, I basically do, I basically do three, now I do four days where I do uh, regular lifting, but I have one of those days I do like shoulder accessories on and, and a bit of leg accessory. But I have two days when I only do a bit of strongman stuff and uh, regular bodybuilding exercises. What's some of the strongman stuff you do? 
I do farmer carries and I do push the sled and I do log press, but that's on the accessories for shoulder. Yeah. And do you do that like um, to benefit your powerlifting or do you just want to, you know, just round off your strength overall? Uh, I think it benefits my powerlifting a lot because you get the grip strength, you get the strength in your upper body. Uh, so it's, it goes hand in hand, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's good to mix up training a bit. So you're not just doing dead bench and squats all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, is it because you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is maintaining enthusiasm when you're training and motivation. Because it can, yeah, get, of course, it, it can of course. get monotonous. Do you have training partners that you train with when you're, when you're doing it? Uh, I train with my coach, Alexander Eriksson, uh, and his girlfriend. Uh, uh, and I train with uh, some other guys at the gym. So we have a good uh, crew, what do you say? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's important as well. It is. Like some people, enjoy, sometimes I don't mind training by myself, but when, you, when you're starting to peak and you need a little bit of motivation, when you go to the gym and your crew is there, you're yeah. going to get a little more in. It's easier for exactly. me anyways to get hyped up when people are hyping you up. Yeah, and especially when Alexander is a very good raw lifter uh, as well. And uh, his girlfriend is a his girlfriend is a quick lifter, uh, but she has done a couple of raw competitions as well. So the people around me are quite high standard lifters as well. Yeah. So then uh, everything yeah. gets like you speak the same language. That's right. Your 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 standard yeah. all of a sudden has to raise. Do you have a girlfriend yeah. yourself? Right. Uh, no, not uh, at the time. Uh, not one girlfriend, but several. Yeah. <laughs> no. I got a feeling you're not too you're not too worried in that department. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I wanted to say I, I don't want to waste energy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like the, it's like the boxers when their coach is like, "Women weaken legs, son. Keep your eyes on the prize. You know, don't, don't waste your energy now." Yeah, I had uh, I had a friend at work, he, and he was like. My my coach in the ice hockey. Yeah. He always said that when you meet the ladies, you're gonna fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> keep, yeah. uh, keep when you when you meet the ladies, you're gonna be drinking, and then you're gonna fuck it, fuck up the train. That's right. Do you drink? No. Damn. No booze. I, no booze. Yeah, girls. I do. I drink like at New Year's party. I drank two glasses of uh, wine at a three hour time span. So do you, do you uh, well first off, how, how often, like how long are your training sessions? Uh, they are typically at least two hours long. Okay. Uh, and usually when I do like my heavy squat and deadlift, uh, he heavy squat and bench uh, workout and uh, the same with the heavy deadlift and bench workout, it usually takes three hours at least. And uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a carpenter. Oh wow! Okay. Or like a service uh, carpenter. What do you would say? So you're at, so you have like a, an active job. It's not like you're sitting you're sitting around. I mean, yeah. You have to actually be on your feet. So yeah. That's, that's a long but that's that's good. Yeah. That's good recovery. This is true. And you also burn a lot more calories that way. So what do you do on the weekends if you're chilling and and, and relaxing? He works out. <laughs> Basically. Really? Uh, I spend eat meat with my friends. Uh, 
some stuff like that. Sunday's rest day, right? It's Sunday I rest, uh, and then I usually cook uh, food for the week, uh, yeah. and then uh, it kind of depends. What do you what do you eat? What do you, what do you mostly eat for food? Red meat. What else? Uh, I do a bit of the Stan Efring diet, vertical. Oh, so I eat uh, red, red meat and the white rice, usually. Everybody, you know what, so we might even have Stan um, on here for, for talking about the vertical diet. Yeah. I shot him yeah. a message and he said, sure, like uh, whenever, let's we, yeah. we get it together. Cause so, have you found it helps a lot, the vertical diet? Uh, I've found... Uh, that it's, uh, I feel that I've gained strength and added mass since I started to cut away the chicken. Because before I ate a lot more chicken, but now I basically turn chicken away and uh, take red meat instead. You know, that's hey, interesting. So, so, like, so here's the question I got for you. Is, did you, are you put, do you eat a lot more salt now too? Uh, no, not, I, I ate salt before as well, okay. but uh, I know Stan everything talked about he talked about it, so I am usually like remembering to salt stuff more often. And, and what, why does he cut out the chicken? Uh, because chicken is so lean and it uh, doesn't have the nutritional value of the red meat. Ah. Uh, so the chicken, the chicken protein is good, yeah. but uh, it's just that it's so lean, and uh, of course the nutrition is the biggest part why red meat is more I guess better yeah see I mean it's, it's I, we, we do have to have more stay in effort to explain it because it's it's weird more and more people I think Luke Richardson was saying was he saying something well like Luke but I mean it's also you got Shaw you got uh, Thor you got yeah, yeah. A lot of strong there's a lot of strong but there's a lot of people I've seen switching over but I mean every year we've seen different diets that went through I mean there was Lane Norton's there was keto there was like yeah. each each time, there's different, but this one here is. I mean, there's there's a lot of names behind this one right now. I mean, whenever these diets come in, um, you're you're never certain. But then there's a lot been a lot of power. Well, there's I, strength after. I even get seen behind. at one point I seen uh, Butner. Jessica was on it too. Bittner. Whatever. It's pronounced Bittner now. But I got corrected at the world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, is she on it now too? I, well, she was. I remember a while ago she said she was going to make an attempt at. I don't know if she's on it or not, but. I, calories while doing it so you could stay within here's the thing with like counting macros you could stay within that and still use it and just plunk in whatever diet you well, want. well basically to go on it I mean he gives you an idea of it but what you have to do is you kind of already have to track and know you kind of have to just replace calories with red meat rice red peppers yeah uh, carrots whatever else is on their broth what is it chicken broth beef broth something like that you, you cook it chicken it? stock chicken stock that's it it's all about it's all about gut health, isn't it? It's about easy digestible food. Exactly. You can't, he says like you should avoid these kinds of foods because they're harder to digest, and instead eat more of this. And he and he believes that the body gets better adapted to digesting the foods that you eat often. And I feel um, I actually feel that it works because uh, when I started to eat a lot of red meat in the beginning. You can feel like uh, it's uh, it's much, but then you you get uh, really good to digest it, and mm -hmm. especially if you buy uh, like grass fed, mm -hmm. 
ecological food. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, like uh, it is, so the cowhide has good uh, grass-fed uh, raising. Hey, you said you eat five times a day. Did you eat five times a day before the diet? Because like with eating red meat like that all the time, you're hungry quicker. Yeah, are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you eat a lot of uh, you eat your certain amount of steak, and then uh, you eat uh, white rice to fill out the yeah. the calories as well. So, uh, but I think I, I ate the same. I ate the same before. I haven't changed anything in how much I eat exactly. Yeah. You just because I don't I don't follow the vertical diet like a bible. Like oh, I have to see everything exactly the same as his, but. Uh, I follow like the main steps of his uh, program. Yeah, and so you, do you have like a coach for the for the diet, or do you just, like buy a package? You buy it from. Uh, I think you buy a package from his website, maybe. Yeah, you just buy it from you buy it from the thing or whatever. I think you can get coached by them or whatever there, but I think it's a lot more. But you just buy the yeah. package and it gives you a, a description of what it is. But he puts up on his like Instagram, what foods you should eat and uh, stuff yeah. like that. So. I just watched there and I was like, okay. <laughs> Did, so you didn't buy the package? No, I haven't done it yet. Maybe I should to thank uh, Stan. Ah, see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pick, pick what he's got. Cause he's on all these platforms. We should just bring him on and ask him about it and, and see what all the hype is all about. Cause there's a lot of hype around this. Yeah, yeah, they have been really good at the social medias with uh, spreading it and uh, getting to work with good people. But mm-hmm. but I I'm always very like uh, I always look at things from different views. So I try to like uh, neglect if it uh, if it's a, it's a good media hype mm-hmm. because that because it's a media hype it doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, and that's the so thing I, with yeah, especially with uh, powerlifting man, they're like fads and. All different type of training coming in, going, and diets and stuff, and you never know. It's that's why that's why I'm so intrigued. The reason why I'm so intrigued with this diet is you're like I keep hearing about it now. Every like so many people we've had on lately have, have but it's, moved to it. The thing is too is there's other with this here is a lot of winners on this thing. That's, yeah, these aren't dudes that, going in forty fifth. That, that's not what's back. Like what's back is not the media hype, but the media hype to me is is you look at like Thor Shaw. Like, you know, those big, strong... Well, and here's the thing, too, though, okay? Luke. So you got, you got guys who, like, if, he's, if he has a contact with these fellas, he can reach out and say, can you help push my diet? And they say yes. And whether it's amazing or not, they'll help push him. But a guy like yourself and a guy like, like Luke Rich, uh, Richardson, who, who he's not reaching out to at all, who yeah. are smashing it in world champions, are just doing it on their own. And being like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm using it. You know, I, your, I, approach I know what you're saying, but I just remember, I remember a thing from Thorne when he did it. He was, when he started to really lean out there, and this, he said, this is what it's from. And yeah. he showed what he was eating each day, the whole thing. Like yeah, he yeah. broke it down, right? So, yeah, he could, they can use him as an advertisement, but I don't know how much you'd be paying out to get two of the world's strongest men to advertise for. That's true. Do you, yeah. watch, do you watch Strongman? Uh, a bit. Uh, I, I, it's, a, it's a fun competition, competition to watch. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it's uh, it's just a bit uh, weird to find the streams. So you usually end up watching on YouTube clips later. Yeah, and that's one of the big problems of Strongman is you usually know who won by the time you're watching it on YouTube, and it's yeah. nowhere near as fun. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's still fun to see people lift good good stuff or heavy stuff. Yeah, 
Yeah, agreed. Like, here's the thing with Strongman, the packaging is really good. Like, the, watching the events, it's entertaining stuff. Uh, the stream isn't, in terms of stream coming on later, it makes it more difficult to get into it. Like, what do you think we got to do with powerlifting to make it better to watch and more entertaining? I think that we need to get, uh, as the, all, every year it gets better. The competition gets better. The, uh, the stakes are getting higher. The kilos are getting higher. Yeah. So uh, I think as that goes up, and when we have the good streams that we have, and when there's a really good battle, like there was in uh, 105 and 83, especially 83 actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when, when we get those good competitions and show it to the, the regular audience, uh, I think the sport will grow uh, a lot more by when the kilos increase. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly, when I think the biggest is, because it's one thing for people to get strong, which is good, but like you had said, you need battles. Well, you, you, need, need, yes. you, need, you need battles, but I also think they need better qualifiers. It gets dry. Like when you see like the top and the, and the lowest, sometimes it's just, there's too, too far, much, too right? much of a gap. Exactly. Like, uh, and the qualifiers, like, like, I mean, they limit countries based on how many they can go, but if three of your top lifters are from Sweden, and they're the three top lifters in the world. It just to me, after a while, like if, if like look at the gap between you and the next guy, it's 105 yeah, kilos. Like I'm saying, if the two closest are Sweden, let the two closest in Sweden go. Like it's, yeah. it's I would sooner see the two best in the world than the best and somebody who's not even fucking close. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw the other guys who competed in Open '93. It was like a huge gap between them and Ellis McLean. Yeah. Uh, as well. Uh, some of the not so established countries. Yeah, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, 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 the competition gets a bit slow when there's a guy who walks out and squats two hundred kilos. You're like, okay. Yeah, and it's it's so commentating for the world championships for the past three years. It that's the toughest, and I know it's, I know the IPF they want to. The reason why is uh, they want to be international and everyone be represented. Yeah. But I also agree it's. It's tough when the guys who are like at the top, like in the 93s in the open, LS had a battle, I mean, Brazil, um, Algeria kind of came out of nowhere. But so we had a battle for on the podium, which was nice. But then like you said, um, the, yeah. the, the guys who are coming in like 12th, who have absolutely no, like they're so, so far back, it's almost like a pause in the action. And you're almost yeah. waiting to get back to LS and them. On the flip side, logistically, you, you do these guys do need a bit of a break uh, in between their lifts. Like you can't have LS go, then uh, Coimbra go, and then LS goes again. <laughs> right? you, yeah. So in between, you do need a buffer, and you do need some guys in there lifting. But so maybe there's got to be one flight top ten in the world, or I'm not sure. Uh, but and then once you start doing stuff like that, there's fewer lifters. And then with fewer lifters, there's fewer, there's less money. But is there fewer lifters? That's the question. Is because you're limiting each country. Ah, like, so, yeah, so yeah. what I'm saying is that if you take the top top lifters from whatever country each year and let them go, and I mean, like, as long as they hit that mark, and if that benchmark's high enough, you're, you're still going to have a spread of people. I believe in Olympic lifting, and maybe you know, uh, Gustav, if this is true, I think they have a world marker. And if you don't hit that marker, it matters not if you're the national champion. 
You can be the national champion in your country. Yeah. If you don't hit a world marker, you're not invited. Not yeah, that's uh, that's true for yeah. Olympic lift, Olympic lifting. That's right. So you have to, you have to meet the standard of the competition to join. That's right, and they they change it, and it's not like so powerlifting does have some standards in certain nations, but it's so low. It's so low, and they don't change it often. The world marker for the Olympic lifting, I believe, as well, they change it like every year. Well, the, the thing is about the IPF trying to get into the IOC is that they have to look international and they keep that marker low because yeah. they want to show all these different countries and they're competing. You need, yeah. One of the things you the IOC needs, yeah, you need them to have them competing, but at the same time is that it just, it's dry as shit to watch. Like, Well, not not always. It, it's still good. Like the 93 Open was still, with, with LS and that battle, I was still entertaining. Yeah, like you said, you're, you're, still the, the last six, you're sitting there waiting, you just want to hit fast forward to the first three again, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's, when it's too much of a blowout, it's 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 yeah. Not but but imagine if I was competing in the open as well, then we would have suddenly had three or four good lifters. Yeah. So then it would have been much more fun. Imagine yeah. if it was six good lifters. Yeah. Even and, more fun. And it's yeah. like you said, it's it's also they got to learn to build the hype up on these on these things because. There's some lifters that are unknown coming through that people are scouting, like, I mean, the, the Garys, you know, I mean, they scout everyone. These people could be helping out on, on building this hype up on these lifters saying, look, you got a battle coming that some people don't even know, you know, mm -hmm. like. Well, they do. Um, so obviously I'm on the IPF media team and they would actually, the Garys, pull me aside or I would ask them, who am I looking at? And they would give me the scouting report and say, like, you're going to want to watch this guy. You're going to want to watch that guy or whoever. Uh, which helps hype it. So here's the thing. Yeah. To get in with the IOC, they need a certain amount of nations, I think, represented or else they won't be recognized. They're doing all these things to get in. But I think if powerlifting ever gets IOC recognition with the Olympics, watch very quickly. We adapt the Olympic, the, the world standard just like Olympic lifting. Because one thing the Olympics does, they want that shit streamlined and entertaining. Yeah. So I yeah, think that's, to, uh, to get in, we have to do certain things, and then once we're in, we have to do certain things. I think. Yeah, you have to keep the standard high and stuff. But the other yeah. thing is too, once it's a, once it is Olympics, and countries back their athletes a lot more on some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like the problem with powerlifting is, it's literally a hobby sport in the sense that there's there's not a fucking dime to be made. Yeah. Like there's yeah. you're, not, you're not walking into to uh, the IPF Worlds and coming out with a with a purse, you know? Well, what, when you won the World Championships um, and went back to Sweden, what was the reception you got? Did you have, like, was there media? Is there any sponsorships for you? Uh, not actually right after Worlds, but of course I got, like, uh, a little bit of media attention, but the, the, the papers only covered the open flight. Even though we uh, did more Wilkes points than the Open uh, from Sweden. They, they only covered the Open, those who, uh, to compete in Opens. So we were not included for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, the, the Federation pays for the flight, the hotels, and stuff like that. So we got the competitions covered. See, that, and I mean, Canada's got to get that. That's what I'm saying. The U.S. has it. And, US, US and, has it. Uh, the U.S. has all the factor sports. If the competition, and if it would be an Olympic, uh, uh, what is it, Olympic, uh, qualified for the Olympics, yeah. then we would uh, get money from the Olympic Committee in Sweden as well. So you get paid. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, 
um, yeah, some nations will pay if you get a gold medal in the Olympics. You get like I think U.S. here's twenty thousand dollars if you get a gold medal. Yeah, I think in Sweden you get paid all year to train. Oh. You get like you get like money every month from the committee, but so you can uh, do more training. So you're like a professional powerlifter. But, but the other thing is too is a lot of countries too. Even though like it may not be shown in Canada or whatever. I mean, usually the Olympians will get like you know mattress king or a car dealership. Like you know what I mean? They're they're advertising for especially like wherever you're at the local town or whatever else. Depending on how famous they became in Olympics, it, it spreads out from there. But yeah. like I know in the U.S., a lot of these guys get you know the local sponsorship of like I said, like the mattress king or something. They do commercials on TV and yeah, but yeah, but but it's enough to keep them. You know what I mean? They got to go into a two minute. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit how I do it right now. I get like local sponsorships now, uh, and and the help from the federation, of course, which uh, which is good. Uh, so that's. Uh, I think I'm gonna go down in work time now to 75% so I can do even more training in, for the coming year. In your job, will, this, will they let you do that? Like, do they support over there in Sweden? See, a lot of this for us in Canada is, is, is crazy for us to hear about um, like the government helping out and about sponsorships because that, that just doesn't happen here in Canada. So in Sweden, <laughs> would it be like, would your job just reduce your work just allow you to train? Yeah, and I even think that uh, it was a, sad, a bit sad because I changed job this year. And if I would have been in another group in my job, I would actually get paid while I'm at the competition as well. Whoa! So, uh, but I'm working on that as well. So, is this is this common in Sweden? Uh, I don't know actually, but I think there there are. There are some good uh, sponsorships to get and to help. But see, the, the difference is too, I mean, like, not getting into too much of your guys' country politics, it's like a lot More of social. More social. It's put into more into the healthcare, more into the... Because you don't pay for uh, schooling, like university in Sweden, right? Isn't it over? It's all free? It's free. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They don't, because they don't... The military, like, it's not there. Like, that's where a lot of countries will dump their money, is militaries, right? They put more into education, healthcare socialistic things like it's yeah it's, yeah yeah it's a uh, it's interesting for us because yeah we get not well i mean yeah not very much there was a time uh, apparently that some powerlifters got paid so it given this um like in your training what would your training go up to because there's like can you add more hours in your day in terms of training or are you, or would you sleep for rest? Or would more sleep, or would you <laughs> add more days? Because your training seems quite a bit. Yeah, I train six uh, days a week. Uh, and when I, uh, when I have like a rest week, I train five. Uh, but I, I think, uh, of course, more recovery, uh, I could add. And like more stretching, uh, recovery wor workouts, maybe, you could add. Uh, but so, so there's always things to do. You can get you can get better at. Yeah. There's always time you can like look if you if you look you like oh this I'm doing this what can I do better? Yeah. And uh, there's all there's always gonna be things you can improve Ex and add more hours in I think. Especially even if not lifting, just like mobility and stretching and all yeah. these things that an athlete should do. Food prep. Yeah. Uh, all this stuff you can be so much you can improve yourself so much more than you think I think I believe. That's true. Do you live at home or do you live by or do you live by yourself? I live by myself. I've done it for the last three years. Do you, you have roommates or totally by yourself? No, I bought my own apartment when I was 19. Oh, dang it. 
So you are uh, totally on your own at 19 years old. Uh, yeah, but I live like close to my parents, so I can still go home and swim in the pool and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> eat the food? <laughs> nah, not, uh, I, not actually eat the food because uh, my, mom could, my mom could do like some vegetarian stuff and I would be like, oh, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> like, Come on, mom. Yeah. I'm on a vertical diet. <laughs> but they have gone. They have become much better at that. So they know, like uh, Augusta wants this many potatoes and meat or chicken or fish. What, so, do they, uh, what do they think about you now becoming a world champion and your brother? And like, what's your family think when you come home? Like, holy crap, this stuff's the world champion. Yeah, they're 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 proud. Like people at my mom and dad's job, like follow me on Instagram, and they're like, "Oh, it's that your son? He, oh, he he's like the, a really good talent in powerlifting for Sweden." And so they get like a lot of lot of cred, or like, "Oh, so they're 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 proud." And like my grandfather is uh, very proud. I think he even stayed up to four or five a.m. watching the live stream in Sweden. Is that right? And this is the grandfather yeah. who was lifting the uh, 200 kilo barrel. Uh, it was his father who did it. Oh, gotcha. And, and and he always says like, oh, if my father was alive, he would he would uh, he would be so proud uh, that his uh, grand his grand grand son is a is a world champion. He would live five more years. <laughs> <laughs> and how, what does that mean to you, knowing like? When you're walking in there that so many people are watching, like staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning to watch the live stream and watch you compete. Yeah, it, uh, it, it puts, puts pressure, but it, it of course makes me want to perform better and become so much better. So it's, it's good pressure. Do you, find, do you think next year in the Open, because it's going to be a race, like this year was like a, pretty much you're out there just hitting personal bets. And you know you got yeah. it. You know you got it. You yeah. can have, you can, you can hit your openers and you got it. Next yeah. year, when you're, you, you'll probably have a fight. You'll probably have, who, judging by whoever shows up, it could be a battle. Do you think yeah. that that's going to bring up the most in you and you'll rise up to that? I think, of course, that will be like uh, a motivational racer. Uh, because when I, this time in Canada, it was like when I felt uh, tired uh, after like the first squat, but I had taken like a gram of cough caffeine. Uh, I was like, okay, I can do my openers and win and go back to bed at the hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, it kind of was uh, uh, bad for motivation when it, the competition was so low. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's, they're not gonna make a, like a movie about that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, it, was pla and it was platform two, and uh, so I was like, am I, sub, am, am, am I a sub junior? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, and it only had like the static yeah, camera Yeah. as well. Yeah. So I, a lot of things like uh, said uh, no at that competition. But I think when, uh, when the competition gets uh, harder, and it's like in Sweden, or it doesn't really matter where it is, but when the competition gets harder, you get uh, automatically harder. You yeah. get like, oh shit, I gotta beat these guys. Because the difference between like, for instance, probably the juniors in the open would be, you might have to go, you know, nine for nine, eight for nine to pull out a win. You might yeah. not have room to miss some lifts. Who are, he went six for nine and beat the other guys by 105 kilos. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> <laughs> 
You, literally, you're warming up, and guys from other nations, coaches, are coming up being congratulations on the win. By the way, well, he would have uh, won. Congratulations. He would have won on openers. Yeah. Well, he would have won. I, uh, he I could have done low openers. I think he would have won on his warm up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, you're warming up. You already won. They're like, well, that was my third attempt. You just warmed up with. So congratulations. Like when, when you when you hit by like your second squat, did they just toss the gold medal from across the rooms? So I like, was already getting <laughs> questions ready for. Uh, <laughs> What, what, how, how, like, congratulations on the win. Um, the, only, so, the only thing he could have, like, the other crew could have hoped for is he tripped and fell off the yeah. stage. Like, well, know. shit happens. I mean, we saw David Ricks was so far ahead and bombed. So you never fully know until you get out there. You still got to be, you got to hit Yeah, you still, you still got to watch your back. Yeah, you got to at least hit your openers and stay somewhat conservative. But um, yeah. who are the guys that you're, that you're looking at going into the open? Who do you think is going to be the guys who are going to push you? Uh, of course, Jess Norris, if he comes back to the IPF. Wouldn't that be a battle? The guy who got you into powerlifting. Yeah. And you guys go head to head. That would be That cool. would be really nice. Yeah. That would be cool. Uh, but I, I would first say, like, oh, Jess, thank you for getting me into the sport that I love now. And now I'm going to have to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have uh, I would have shake his hand and say like uh, thank you and uh, then uh, now we compete. <laughs> That's right. And now we're not friends. Your silver medals over there. That's right. <laughs> thank you. Even, even if I even if I won over Jesse with ten kilos, I would still say Jesse, you're still better. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's good. So uh, he he got me started. So he I owe him much. How, what's his best? Um, in the IPF, because eight fifty five raw, I think eight fifty five. Yeah. Wow. So that's probably, and that's probably the heaviest we've seen ninety three kilo anywhere, right? I think so, but his result got uh, taken away. Uh, that uh, it was the raw nationals two thousand and fifteen. Oh. His uh, stats got uh, erased because he he took that craze. Yeah. Pre workout. Pre workout. And that's when he beat Lane Norton, right? I think. Yeah. That's exactly. right. 855, though. That's a hell of a total. Yeah. And, uh, but now he's injured in his shoulder, I think. And he's had, he's had back issues. Ba back issues, exactly. So maybe he, oh, we, we will see if he comes back or he doesn't. He did talk about it there for a while that he was going to come back. I mean, because. For a long time, people would ask him, are you coming back? And he basically just said, fuck off, stop asking. I'm injured, I'm not coming back. <laughs> yeah. And then I noticed he finally did say, like, he, he wants to come back. Like, for a long time, he just left it alone, you know? Like, literally telling people, fuck off. Like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing this. Like, the thing is, like, you can't blame people. Like, but, yeah, but, but, but I, amazing. I, I get it. But the thing was, he was never claiming, like, people hyped him, but he never claimed to be the hype. So, so if yeah. you're that guy that's got a broken back and you're just trying to go to the gym and work out and everyone's like, oh, when are you coming back? It's like, I got two slip fucking discs, man. Yeah, I ain't yeah. fucking going nowhere. <laughs> I believe he had big plans to go back to Worlds and stuff, but yeah. the, only, the only thing that ruined it was that, uh, that pre-workout. Because that took away his nominations yeah. for the Worlds in 2016. It's, it's so weird if... Like imagine, just imagine like yourself and other individuals come, if you beat him and he just never wins the world, being who he is, having done what he's done, looking back, if Jesse retires and never wins the world, it'd be crazy. 
Wouldn't that be crazy to think about? Well, it is. It is for a guy who who won at an early age, had a massive total, and is world renowned in every federation. Yeah. Like this guy's got more hype around him for than almost like most yeah. of the athletes who are top contending yeah. athletes. Like it'd be weird not to. Who are some of the other guys? That that you that you want to face off against. He doesn't care about anyone else. He wants to go. To the <laughs> that's it. Just a straight call out. Norris, me, him. That's it. Yeah, we're the only guys. No, um, <laughs> of course, uh, Christoph Verspicki, Mr. Deadlift. Yeah. Oh. He was in he was in '93 when I started, so I watched uh, a lot of uh, his stuff. But now yeah. he's in 105. But maybe I'll go up and meet him there one day. That'd be a hell of a showdown as well. He had an off yeah. day, and he was actually saying, you know, it's funny talking about the uh, time zone difference. Uh, he was saying when I seen him in the back, um, man, I'm, he's, he, I'm not like this is in the warmth. This before they even lifted, so it's not an excuse. It's before they even lifted. He and I was like, how you feeling? And he's like, he gave, he doesn't speak a lot of English, but he shook his head and he's like, not good. And he yeah. was like, uh, he did the tired. You know, motion, yeah. very tired. And then he said, in home, in Poland, and he was like, I, th- I forget what time he said it was, but it was like crazy. And he was it's, the like, same, it's the same as Sweden. Yeah, and so he said he was re- he was a rough shit. Do you know who I see he's going to do one here soon? He's been out of, the, out of there for a while. It looks like he might be doing a 93, too. Who's this? Screamer. Manuel? Yes. At the Irish Irish Open? Ah, yeah, that's right. Would you? Oh. Yeah, that, that'd be kind of cool. Screamer Manuel goes in that. He's, he said he's not uber competitive right now. He's doing it for fun because mostly he wants to uh, promote that federation. So he really loves the Irish Federation. So he'll be there, back at some he's, point. He's going to yeah. He said he's going to do the competition. He's going to be doing some commentating there that day. But because of the, he's been in the BJJ, the Jiu Jitsu, he's yeah. lost a lot of weight. And he's, he's closer to the ninety three now than he is to the one hundred five. I got a feeling Screamer will be back at some point. I don't see him done for powerlifting forever. Well, he's. I mean, when we did the interview with him, I think he's just tired of going against Mr. Fucking Deadlift because yeah. when he was ninety three, he went against him. When he was one hundred five, he was going against him. I think going back to ninety three, he's like, "Fuck it, I'll take a run back there now." But I think uh, if I get my numbers. Uh... I will get more than the Screamer has done in 105. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your numbers so, are going to be ridiculous. And LS McLean, yeah. uh, that'd be a hell because now he's won two years in a row. So that's another good guy to be going against. You got some. Yeah. So 93s in the next couple of years could be very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's the. That would be really good for the sport as well. So we can get this to grow and get more money into the sport, make everybody happy, <laughs> and. Uh, just show everybody that how good a sport powerlifting is, yeah, and how fun it is to, to train and to like you to follow your own progress. And it's a sport that so many people can do. It's it's kind of funny because when you say who I'd like to see him against, it's the person I gave him the show to be on the show. I'd love to see him against Gibbs. Oh, who? yeah, you, you, you and Gibbs, Me. yeah, and then 93, yeah. yeah. But, because uh, you both total. Well, because one. he's going to do that catchweight one here. I mean, he's only like 86 or 87 kilos going into that one there, but it'll be interesting to see what he totals. You guys aren't that far off in body weight, though. He's only 91 kilos. That's what I'm saying. Now he's bigger. But um, I don't think Gibbs is going to do 93, though. He, t- he said on here he wasn't good. It'll be interesting to see what he totals. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course, he's a, he's a real good uh, lifter. But maybe he, he wants to... Weight cut because it does. It's not so many kilos. They have to cut back to eighty three. So yeah. maybe he want to build a legacy there. 
Yeah, more or less. I think he wants a dynasty. Is what his goals yeah. are. But he's. he's... Uh, Sir, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I think uh, if you like move up a weight class too fast, then it's like, why did you do that? And maybe not even win. So maybe it's a mistake if you move up too early. Yeah. It, because Krish, like Khrushchev did, he he uh, he did it like four years in '93 or three years, and yeah. really got heavy and then moved up it, to 105. What's your goals in terms of that? Like, how long do you plan on staying '93? Uh, I would like to weigh when I feel like I have to do a crazy weight cut. That day, I know I'm gonna go up to 105. Which when I fill up, which when, when I fill up the class in muscle, basically. I was gonna say what you're capable of. I mean, like you're going through, you're you're coming at 91, eating your face off, and yeah. smashing numbers. Of all people that would know this, is know that you don't always have to do the weight cut. Coming into it and eating isn't always a, the worst thing, considering he's totaling close to the 105s anyway. Because it is, it is tough. Like uh, moving up, it, like you said, you could you could stay at 93 and try to create a dynasty and make your make your mark and then moving up yeah. you know it's it, it's a huge jump well 93 to 105 is a massive it, jump it is a massive jump but being 23 years old he's got a lot of time and yeah you look at what he yeah. did he's done 11 kilos in the last three years yeah everyone's got a cat and he's jacked as in in, uh, in a couple of years i guess maybe 105 i, I would say three years maybe yeah it's just right now you, you're like six pack the whole nine i hate I hate for you to go up to 105 and be like chubby. <laughs> no, never, never, never. I, I, I would never be. Uh, I, I can't uh, live with myself if, if I'm not uh, if I'm not uh, feeling comfortable with my own body. And the, the <laughs> difference between like being, uh, you know, if you're walking around at 95 kilo, six pack of abs, and then walking around at 108 kilo, like that's a huge jump to try to put on just muscle. Yeah. For whatever age, that's why who knows, right? You could you could just. Have you, have you done any water cutting or weight cutting? Have you ever even had to yet? I've never had to. So, I mean, because you could, some people are able to drop a, like a five kilo of water, you know? And yeah. So who knows? You could, if you could actually master and keep working at that, you could keep getting bigger while sustaining 93 kilo. And maybe your body just naturally likes being in the 93 kilo class and who knows how long. Because Brett Gibbs has been 83 kilo forever. Yeah. I think... Uh even if I weigh 95, if I like only drink a liter of water, I lose a lot of weight because my body, I usually keep a lot of water, water on me. Yeah. So I, I usually go down in, and if I cut away fibers, I go down in weight, like one kilo one day. So it, it goes really fast for me as well. Yeah. So it's not going to be a hard cut for you. And then, I mean, as you, as you get bigger, you could always do things like baths and get better, better, yeah. different. There's always things you could do because that jump to 105 is monstrous. That's a huge, yeah. that's like one of the biggest jumps we got in power. Yeah, so I, I want to do it uh, in a correct way. Because 12 Not pound amazing. jump is absolutely monstrous. Okay, gee. 12 kilos, sorry. It's huge. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of meat. Yeah, that's a lot of meat, my friend. That is a lot. It will take years to fill out if, when you make that jump. There's a hell of a transition yeah. there. That's why I'm yeah. one of those 105 kilo guys, when they make the jump from 93 kilo, they have to get chubby. If you're going to do it quick, you know, to put on 12 kilo of muscle could take a long years, if even possible. Then I would rather compete weighing 97, 98. 
Uh, and do my best at that body weight. Yeah. And hopefully beat them as well. Yeah. And that's when you start asking questions. If you're 97 kilo, do you cut the 93? Is it worth it? Or, you know, I guess that's yeah. just questions for the if I If I maybe weigh like 100 kilos, I would still go to 105 then yeah. and uh, compete and, uh, like and do my best. That's yeah, Khrushchev does it as well, I think. He yeah. doesn't weigh a fool. That's exactly no. it. He, uh, Rebek, Gustav, Rebek. Khrushchev. Yeah, Khrushchev. Yeah, I, I, I can't say the European No, but there, 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 there's some, uh, there's other lifters too and other friends that do a lot of that. I mean, you still got Yuri too. Yuri does that. Yuri Gelkin. Yep. Yeah. He competes in a hundred kilo, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, his his, his walk around body weight is very close to... He doesn't water cut. Yeah, like, his water cut's like two pounds. And he doesn't, yeah. he just doesn't, he doesn't eat breakfast that day, like yeah. it's... <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to go into um, some of these money meets, like the U.S. Open, down the road and try to take that 40,000 U.S.? Um, of course, uh, I thought about those things. Uh, but uh, then if you go into those meets, then you have to, I would say you have to take uh, some prohibited substance maybe yeah it's kind of a different room yeah and uh, and especially here in sweden we have uh, very strict laws about that ah. and uh, i even report that uh, uh bada what is it called the adams program so i report where i am every every day a year one hour Oh, really? So how often have you been tested? Like, do they show up at your house? They show up. Yeah, they show up at my apartment. Uh, no, they just call and say we're outside. And, uh, and then I have to let them in. And if I don't let them in, they you get a strike. Wow. So they have, I've been tested six times at home, oh. not including competitions, uh, for the past uh, seven months. Oh, six times in seven months! Whoa! And two, uh, two of those are blood tests as well. Yikes! That's really strict. Is it like that? Um, is that just Sweden, or is it like that throughout Europe? Do you know? Or? Uh, most of Europe does it as well. So we have uh, really strict laws about that. But uh, as as uh, when you're competing in the IPF, the federation is drug free. Yeah. So it's good for me that I can show a paper like this is my how many tests I've done, and uh, Dude, you can show on paper once a fucking month. That's crazy. Yeah. That's almost once a month. And blood yeah. testing as well. Like I yeah. love hearing stuff like that because it's it's reassuring. I right? do, but it's also not fucking across the board. What Wait, do you mean? Does him getting tested six times? You're telling me that other fucking world champions are getting tested six times? I don't six know. I, 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 no fucking no fucking way. No. How do you know? So it's, uh, no it's, it's, it's good to have that proof, like, because I often get like messages like, oh, hey, you're, you're, on, you're on stuff, and I'm like, okay. So it, that's the only proof I can, I can give people, like... Uh, you're on stuff, you have steak. Yes. Yeah, I'm on, I'm, yeah I usually say like, uh, hey, no. yeah, I'm on steak, and I'm, I'm on uh, baby spinach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So is the plan then... Um, your goal is basically to start winning and create a bit of a dynasty in the IPF and then afterwards would you think about moving to the US Open or are you thinking no, you're going to be an uh, IPF lifter through and through? Uh, we only have IPF as a federation in Sweden. 
So yeah, I think, and I, and, I, and I like the, 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 the IPF is the strictest federation in terms of judging, in terms of equipment use, in terms of the consistency in the judging, and like the, the entire show of the IPF Worlds. It's a, it's a really good concept. Yeah. Because if you compete like in the US Open, you have the, the raps and stuff, and it, it gets like so, it gets so much. Oh, this is the world record holder without wraps. This one is with wraps, and this one had a slingshot, and this one had a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so and this uh, guy was a vegan. Uh, he's a world champion yeah. vegan, and uh, yeah. yeah, I know you're yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, as Brett Gibbs said, it, you, then you have a new federation and all these people, oh, I'm like, a, I'm a world champion. Okay, uh, oh, your federation is one day old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, but, yeah. I guess like the only thing that is like I wish would change would be money involved. Uh, yeah. You win and, and you get money and. Yeah, I mean, but I think if we work hard and show people that sport is uh, how good the sport is and that what it can become, mm -hmm. we will have that one day. We all just have to work towards that. And uh, the president of the IPF have. Uh, if they, I don't know what plans they have for it, but they must have discussed it. They do. It would be interesting to hear what they say. I truly believe it's the hype, like the hype and the lifters, like a sport has not evolved until you get that hype. Like boxing, you know, Don King was was a fucking disaster of a person, but man, he could hype a fight like crazy, you know? Well, that's, that's, but but when, you, when you look at these different people, but the other thing is like, you need that standard athlete. And I mean, in our, in our generation and up to now, you know, Eddie Cohen's been the GOAT, right? Like, that's that's what people will claim for a long, long fucking time. Eddie Cohen, throw a Netflix on him, you know what I mean? Like, a, a documentary on him and evolve the sport into something. Like, put a movie yeah. about it because there's nothing on powerlifting except, like, the 80s Budweiser commercial. Like, it's, it's fuck, man. It's, 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 <laughs> well, they, they get some more. But what they're doing is, uh, what, what Gustav had brought up uh, with, like, Gaston's plan is kind of, when we're talking about the, the stream and how well it is, their plan is, um, they're like all, almost all their money they dump into the stream. So when people watch, like in terms of the hype, yeah. when you watch the worlds, it fucking looks dynamite. And that's really yeah. what they're seeing is like, because um, they're not film producers themselves. Like somebody, that's independent film production. Yeah. Some companies got to approach. But in terms of what the IPF can do, what they're doing is, they've recognized, we got to make this look like a million bucks. So when you tune in, um, you're like, oh, I want to be a part of this. And there's like rivalries and like as best you yeah. can. So, Guys like uh, Gustav does like you know like smashing the key you, you bring the kilos and uh, we throw out the bat signal saying anybody who wants to come and play this is the place to play so that hopefully is competitive and then they make a package that when you tune in you're like whoa that was entertaining and I mean sometimes you know it's you get a 105 battle or an 83 kilo battle where it's absolutely bonkers and everyone loved it and sometimes you know, it's not as competitive. Uh, hopefully, you know, it's that's the way it's going to go pretty much every time. Sports in general. Yeah. It's not even just... But still, but still I'm just, soccer games. I'm just saying, like, a movie or something on this, like, something that, that gives a bit of the history on it that people can get into. Like, we're watching the Eddie Hall story. We're watching, like, uh, did you watch it? Of course you watched yeah. it. Right? So These are independent. We need an independent. That's what I'm saying. But Netflix independent produces the fuck out of everything, man. Everybody gets their own show on this thing. Like, yeah. if they did one on... So, It'd be really neat to see if they I gotta, you keep talking. I gotta rock. I gotta piss out my fat day. It'd be, neat, it'd be neat to see if they did one on powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, the stuff like that. Uh, all those stuff would would help the sport to grow, and show people like uh, 
you, you don't have to be on drugs to be in the sport. 100%. And you, and because you, you look at the CrossFit well, ones right now, like they like even on Netflix, the Reebok CrossFit and stuff like that when they're doing them, those, they're great to watch because it's highlights of, the, of it. And that's what I think they should really do of the IPF Worlds is a highlight movie of it, is of at least one year of some of the greatest lifters because yeah. let's, let's face it, you sit down and watch it. You, I mean, there's only so many flights you can watch. It gets boring as fuck after that. Yeah. Yeah, but if if we if we would put as you said, if you would do a top uh, flight with like if you cut together all the best things, then you would have a really, then you would have a really good. Right, some of the head-to-head -head competition. I mean, it's, yeah. like, it's like watching the Olympics too. I mean, you can watch the Olympics, but there's only certain things you're really watching for. It's exactly the sports you want but, to see and the rivalries. But when there are as when there are like good lifters, then everything is exciting. When there are like good people in the when when everybody is putting up a lot of kilos, then it's interesting to watch. Yeah, and it's it's also like there's other things they can bring into it: the coaching, the handling, like the different things that people don't understand about powerlifting, the aspects of it that that are left behind. Because people, yeah. people just see what's on stage, but they don't see what's you know. I mean, you the scoreboard and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff behind the stage, like people getting the shit smacked out of them. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> The, yeah. the, the people pacing in the rooms and stuff like that, all they see is the lifters coming out and they lift and sometimes it's dry as fuck to watch. Yeah, yeah I think uh, there, there's some, we can do some improvements, uh, but uh, but I think uh, nothing goes overnight. 100%. I 100% but uh, but there are, there are uh, certain things that we can do to make it a more, what would you say? Uh, entertaining. Uh, uh, entertaining and a viewer I'm more, uh, I'm more of a viewer's sport, basically. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's funny you're talking about the documentary. Maybe that's something that we could even look into as King of Lifts and try to follow, pick like four or five lifters and follow them. Because even in terms of like some of the drama, I don't know if, you, if you're into like MMA, UFC is really big over here in North America, but um, they, do, they do some documentaries, even like the weight cuts. What some people have to do to make weight, the training, dealing with injuries, the rivalries, who they're going up against. Some people's backgrounds, talking with Screamer Manuel, um, they have some interesting backgrounds where he had, uh, you know, depression and anxiety to the point where he couldn't leave his bed some weeks. And um, like some people have some really good background stories. And then, and people come from all different types of the world and everyone converges on one day and hits that platform. I love to like just pick three or four or five different people from around the world and have them filmed and follow them and put it together. But people need that emotional connection, right? Yeah. Like for me to be tied into yeah. someone, you need an emotional connection with that person. You need to feel what they're feeling. You need to see what they're doing. Like mm -hmm. if you just, like I said, I was saying, if you just see a guy walk out there, you don't see what's behind the stage. You don't see the guy that's getting whipped behind the stage or the guy that's yeah, pacing or, or the guy that's puking in the back corner or whatever yeah, else, yeah. right? Like if you don't see that yeah. stuff, I yeah. think Instagram has helped a lot, actually, oh, yeah. uh, for powerlifting. No doubt about it. I, uh, because then people see the hard work that goes into it, and like all the training sessions, and uh, and all the, the, like heavy lifting, and, and, and uh, the grind, we would say. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, like some people say, like they get upset when people talk about, oh, I got injured and whatever, and they're like, stop making excuses. But I love it when somebody's like, no, because it's, it's honest. If some people have this weird, um, like, I don't, I don't want to hear about excuses. I don't want you to post this, that, and the other. It's like, post it all so people have a realistic expectation 
even the best of the best, you know, you have good days, you have bad days, good meets, yeah. bad meets. And Instagram for powerlifting, for whatever reason, goes hand in hand so well for our sport. It's even better, like our some of our our uh, our lifters who are nowhere near as mainstream big and we're not on TV have Instagram followings as big as some mainstream sports people. Yeah. You know, like our Instagram and powerlifting is has just taken off. I well, mean, it fits the timeline, right? One minute, <clears throat> one minute to show what you got. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you show me a sport, unless it's a highlight reel of yeah. what one minute can do. I mean, basketball, it's you know one trip down the court. Soccer, yeah. soccer, it's fucking not even to the half line. Like it's just fuck one minute you can do yeah. all, all the highlights of your day you know, it's a uh, it's a big part of the powerlifting the, the training the whole training uh, the whole training thing it's a it's a big part of the sport yeah and i think a uh, way more than like in football and stuff because uh, in powerlifting you really the training is really that's everything you know almost what? yeah you're right because um watching somebody practice kicking a football slash soccer or whatever you want to call it or somebody practicing you know a pitch or, or in hockey taking shots on the net is nowhere yeah. near it's not close to the actual game whereas yeah. powerlifting watching somebody like yourself in training powerlifting is much more closer to game like wh yeah. wh what it would look like on the platform when i watch you hit a heavy triple it's it's, it's entertaining it might even be sometimes more entertaining than a heavy single seeing a guy fight for two more yeah. you know so it's closer to our sport and especially when power as powerlifting is uh, it's all on you most of the men's dream sports are team sports mm -hmm. they have like they, they, there's so many people they're like oh there's 15 people so it's 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 a lot of guys that it tanks on but in powerlifting you it's you on the platform yeah. you do the lifting you you get all the glory you, but if you lose you also exact, get all the blame that, that, exactly the very then it's you who have to stand there yeah What's that? I said the variables are limited when it's only you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. It's you. When yeah. Because I mean, you look at top athletes in a lot of sports. When they lose, they'll blame the whole fucking team. Yeah. Yeah. But in powerlifting, some of course some people blame like the coach and stuff like that. But still, your coach only gives you, your coach. He gives you the opportunity to perform a good coach. So yeah. you come there in a good shape and stuff. But the rest you do yourself. So you, you have to pull it together. You get, the coach basically gives you like the, the, the ability to do it, but still you have to pull it together at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, it, it's, it's the good thing about our sport. It is unique in terms of what, that's what we have that other sports don't where there's that magical moment and you can see people like juniors even and the pressure with so many people watching, you know, you fly to the other side of the world and seeing a young guy put in that situation where it's all or nothing and you hit that platform. Yeah. Um, it, the, the one thing that other sports have that powerlifting doesn't is the head-to-headness. Uh, in terms of when you're on the platform, it's just you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas um, it's not like two guys on the platform, eyeball to eyeball, and it's yeah. a deadlift off. You know, the bar's loaded and you both go rep for rep. We don't but quite I think, have that. I think if, if we do a good uh, job in the media and like make a hype and have people that are closer to each other, a bit like Brett Gibbs and Russell Ori. Yeah. A bit like that because then people know like, oh, they're competing and this is a good show. and. Uh, and I think uh, the Russell Russell guy he had a, he has a YouTube channel, right? Yes, and it's huge. So, and he he, and just from that, 
how many viewers did we get? Probably yeah. 100,000. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's and, and, and everybody was cheering for Russell, but Brett Gibbs, he, uh, he's a better lifter, so he won. Yeah, and it is, it is like, it's, it's, it's important to have guys like Russell grinding social media wise. Like yeah. we have to do our own public, basically we have to be our own PR mm. agents. We have to do all yeah. public relations. If you were it's a, a guy like Russell, he, uh, he he's a good lifter and he does a lot for the sport yeah. with his uh, social media stuff because it's, then, it's then people see it's like, oh, he's he's jacked, he's strong, and uh, and it, it probably it it <laughs> not lures, but it gets people to the come to start powerlifting. One of, yeah, we need guys like Russell. We need guys. Uh, we need girls like Isabella von Weisenberg. Yeah. Who, who like people just rally behind and I don't know what it is if it's like uh, the charisma the look obviously both of them look like they're high level athletes but um, like you yourself man blonde hair blue eyed bodied up world champion you know you could you would be a poster boy for the sport and you're well like well spoken but uh, and that's why we got to do more things like this and um, and I think Randy's probably right some so the next step, because we're so good social media wise, the next step would be if we could move into like a, some kind of a documentary Netflix style something. piece or something like that. Yeah. Bring it. Uh, from the IPF's uh, side that they would like to uh, follow some lifters maybe and post on their sites as well and get like an official like uh, we're gonna look at these guys and... Uh, well the IP like the thing is about every sport you have the good guy, you have the... the, the you know the people, the good guys, the bad guys in sports, right? And, yeah. And and advertising on both those is, is something to see. Like I mean, you do like MMA documentary, whatever. They show the the kid that grew up in the nice neighborhood, whatever else, and then they show the kid that grew up in the fucking Bronx, and they're about to go head yeah. to head, and the, yeah. you know. And that's awesome to see. And and like I said, even even the IPF and even other once it gets going, if the IPF was the first to do it, awesome. But if other federations like like uh, for the U.S. Open, they follow some of their lifters and their life going into it. People will get attached to the sport in different ways. Like it's, yeah. it's just putting the name emotional, of the emotionally attached. Yeah. yeah, you're emotionally invested for certain people to win. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's uh, that's why soccer and stuff like that is so popular because people like follow their teams and uh, and it sends like a, a sense of pride when they win. Yeah, and it's so. I think for powerlifting, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Is Nothing builds overnight, and if you actually seen, um, like I started competing uh, ten years ago, and how far it is now. Ten years ago, nobody gave a shit about powerlifting. Yeah, there was. But then, then it was equipped lifting, right? Yeah, Only. and if you didn't want to go equipped, you have to go a different fed. Everyone split up. Uh, yeah. Equipped lifting um, isn't very big in North America. Like I, we we have very good equipped lifters in Europe, but I think yes. IPF has been around since the 1970s, I think, and then it was only equipped lifting. Yeah. So the sport has been under the ice basically until 2014, when the first Worlds went in yeah. South Africa. From 2014, the sport has grown so yeah. much. Yeah, and and when you look back, like what it was when I first started powerlifting. Like, and even, I mean, Instagram wasn't around, uh, and Instagram is huge for powerlifting. Um, the YouTube channels, there was like nobody big on YouTube who powerlifted. There was just 
I mean, it was in live streams. Good luck. I mean, you would <laughs> you, you would maybe get like a results page put up way after the fact. It was it was like we we couldn't get any momentum going because we had none of these avenues. Ten years later, my God, man. Well, the thing is, I would say the most evolved about this sport is the women. Like you look at the like when you, oh the women's division is blown up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So when you look at how big the sport grew, it was. I'd say a big part of that was the women because yeah. there was, you know, women were, we used to joke around about it, the thigh gap, you know what I mean? Like women are, are thick, they're like lifting heavy, they're doing things that was always a... Oh, the mystique about the women. was a full pop, you know, like 10 years if ago. If I go lifting, I'm going to be bulky. I mean, you still hear that shit nowadays, but I mean, like now girls are like, I want to be bulky. I want to get ten, bigger. 10 years ago, if you told a girl your butt looks big in those jeans, she'd be upset. Now, now it's uh, now it's like oh thanks man yeah it's a compliment you know um, yeah it, the, the attitudes towards weightlifting for women has totally changed it drives me crazy when you know if girls like I've had girls approach about weightlifting but I don't want to get too bulky now girls don't like that still drives me crazy but far less now girls don't give a shit about that as a matter of fact they yeah. they want to get thick you know that's like the cool thing to be. In the women's division, so many more lifters, so much more competitive, and now we have twice as many people involved in. But that helped blow it up too, like especially on social media, because you get some of these uh, these women that are crushing huge weights, some of these gorgeous women on there that are crushing huge weights. Like you look at their Instagram following, and it'll dwarf a world yeah. champion guy, like a, a, a beautiful woman that's that's crushing big weights. If their their following is enormous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it helps. It takes it takes an accumulative effort. Listen, we've had you on here. It's two hours deep, so we'll take oh, it. Oh shit! <laughs> it's been two hours, my friend. But one question we always ask everybody who comes on the show: When all is said and done, how would you like to be remembered? The first guy who talked us nine hundred kilo raw. Oh boy, I was hoping you would say that. Listen, good luck in pursuit. Love to have you back. Uh, we're going to be repressing yeah. the hell out of you because I got a feeling you might be the first to total 900 kilo. Anybody you want to thank before we let you go? Yeah, uh, SPD Apparel uh, has given me, even though I'm not an athlete of theirs, I, they have sent me all the gear I need and stuff like that. So I'm very thankful for that, that they just uh, equipped me out. Uh, so I want to thank them for that, actually. And the Swedish Federation, of course. Sounds good. Listen, thanks for taking the time, and um, good luck in training, my friend. My pleasure, my pleasure. See you in Sweden next year. Yeah, see ya. See you, right. He's a well-spoken. You know what uh, impresses me? He's a young guy, and he's patient in being like, you know these things, when we were talking about the growth of the sport, these things take time. These things take, like, when you're young, I remember when I was, like, his age, you want everything now. You're like, this has to happen, that happened. And he was he was the one out of us. We're two dudes, yeah. middle-aged dudes. And he's like, gentlemen, it takes time. You know, yeah. you gotta, we're like, no, God damn it. We're getting all riled up. He's, he's the one who's like, fellas, this doesn't happen overnight. Come on now. But um, I like uh, I like uh, his approach and his style. He's a calm, cool, collected character. You know what, though? 860, 862 and a half, I think he said, was his, what he was projecting. Dude, that's absolutely colossal. Which I think is about 4% was, would have been the increase. How do you do that off the top of your freaking head? You bluffing me right now, there's no, no way you could break that. You did that off the top of your head. I did it off the top of my head. Because 10% is 83 kilos. 
half of that is 41.5. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. But if you think about Jesse Norris has never done that like this, this kid could be the next big thing. But we look... He already kind of is. We look, we look at the thing, I mean, Jesse's Jesse. Like, he's, he's that guy. Like, you know what I mean? He'll always be that guy. He just stands out, you know, but... And people need... People... We look at every other record. It's been crushed since then. It's yeah. not... Yeah. You know? No, it's, it's just a matter is can Jesse keep it moving and keep up with these kids? Because he hasn't, like... Competed in forever. And, and, and obviously PR because he's not healthy. Like, it's just such a... Like, it's so, um, as a fan, frustrating. It's like, damn it, I want to see this guy at the Worlds, head-to-head. I want to see Gustav and Jesse and L.S. McLean and these fellas head-to-head. But I think, I think because, of, you know, who knows? I don't know Jesse. I don't know. You know what I mean? But the thing is, if it's... It could be in his head. I mean, there's so much goddamn hype behind him. He comes in and loses. Fuck. You know what I mean? Like, it, it could be, maybe in his, maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it says, I ain't fucking coming unless I know him. Basically, I'm the king without having to risk a type my crown. So why would I risk it? Here's the thing, though. If you, if, and I'm not saying that's what Jesse's thinking, uh, but if someone started taking that approach, be like, look, I have everything to lose, nothing to gain at this point because I'm already considered the GOAT. When, I mean, that's just right now, but 10 years from now, when people look back, it could be the guy who, like, the Gustav, who's like, fuck it, I got everything to gain. So if he starts carving out a dynasty and starts putting up the numbers that he wants and he becomes the first 93 kilo to hit 900, you know, when you look back, it titles really mean a lot. Like, it becomes, not, well, and not the coulda, woulda, shoulda. And the, but I'll tell you mean? something. So when I asked you today, if, when I first got here, if you had watched that Jesse Owens on Netflix, it's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. But one of the things his coach on there, his coach was an Olympian prior to that, who took him up into into State University. So uh, Jesse Singer was taking about records. Like when he when he asked him what his goals were, he was to break the records. And his coach said to him, "Fuck the records. Records fall." He goes, "You'll only ever have a gold medal once in your life." So like if you're an Olympian and you're going in and have a gold medal, he goes. Records will, go, records will come and go. Some young guy will walk in and destroy your record one day, but you'll still have your gold medal. If your yeah. only thing is a record, what good is it if it disappears? So if you're going into, like his thing was, going into Olympics or any event, don't go for the record. Go for the fucking win. Yeah. So if you get the record, great, but it was a thing. And I mean, like Jesse's first competition was really neat to watch because I never really paid attention to that story. Mm-hmm. But his, uh, his first competition... Um, he tied the first place in the 100 meter, and then he broke three world records in the fucking, three, yeah, three world records, his first competition. Because he wasn't just a runner, he was a 100 meter, 200 meter long jump and uh, yeah. distance runner. He's an all run athlete. But three in his first competition. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can agree to an extent where, you know, if someone said, what would you rather have, the IPF, being the first, being the big, IPF gold medal, I, I would take the world champion title. It's right, depending on what the record is, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, a squat, bench, deadlift records come Or is it the total? Come and go, and or is it the first to total something? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, there's some, like... Yeah, uh, not just like, a random record. I, so, I think you're right right there. If I could cut you off and act like I'm the one making that point. Um, it is, it's different if, if I took the total world record... And it's 847 and a half kilo, or if I was the first to total that big round 800 kilo, and I was the first to take us in there. Like Brett Gibbs was the first to total 10 times body weight at 83 kilo. Everyone will remember that. Just like Gustav, he's like, look at the total world record's nice. Being the first to do 900 kilo, everyone remembers. After that, if you do 900 in 2.5 kilo, and that's the new world record, 
people still remember Gustav more than you, wait, 20 years from now, just because he was the first to take a step. What was Cornelius's? Uh, he won't, for what? Oh, for the highest, thousand kilo? Highest total ever in USAPL, or yeah. second, second, or whatever, second person yeah. to ever do it. Yeah, and the latest man to do a thousand right. kilo. Yeah, and that's it. So no one remembers, and so the, the guy who breaks his record and does a uh, thousand two point five chips it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But when you're the first ever, who's the first to do this? Who's the first to do that? Who's the first to? That's huge. You know, people don't. And like we just said, titles. People remember titles. Well, who won in '96? Who won in 2005? Who won? You remember who won? Yeah. Records are harder. Records are nice when they're the big, round, sexy numbers. But uh, other than that, it's tough. Tough to keep up. No, I'm not saying, fuck, man. If you break a world record, that's phenomenal on your resume. But just in terms of comparison. I mean, you're getting, you're getting a plaque at home. You're getting whatever else. I mean, like, it's, I'm not knocking people that are destroying world records. I mean, they work their ass off to get yeah. where they're at. But if you had to choose, I'm just, I'd just take a world title over a world record. Yeah. I got to agree with you, sir. Because those records come and go. I mean, fuck, literally a couple weeks later, some competition, somebody could fucking destroy that thing. And then what do you left? Second a fucking silver medal or a bronze medal or not even a platform finish? Yeah. Because you risked it all for that one fucking lift? Yeah, it's great. You got a piece of paper to go. Put a shiny frame on it. I, it, you know, it's, it's so fuck. I'm looking, I want next year in Sweden, how hype would that be, Gustav, defending Sweden, and who shows up with Jesse Norris, the guy who got him into it, the GOAT 93, and they go head-to-head, -head, and that's like the battle of the next generation. That's the next generation of the new bloods coming in. And then you have, representing the old generation, the old bloods, L.S. McLean, two-time world champion, defending his title against these cats. That is, That would be, that. you want to talk about hype and showmanship and something that people get excited about? That would be an exciting showdown. You have the hometown boy in Gustav, who's like the next big thing. You have Jesse Norris, who's the most heavily hyped and it wants, it, wants the night, it wants to solidify and win, the night, win a world championship in the Open. And then you've got the two-time defending world champion, L.S. McLean, who's like, not yet. I'm not ready to give up my title yet. That is a showdown I could have. See, what sucks is it would have, it would have been nice to see Ashton in there too, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, but it, that's just not going to happen. No, it's not. I agree, it would have been nice. But Justin Norris, if, if it's the, like, U.S. can only put forth so many guys. So you got LS and you got either Ashton or Norse. So it's okay. Well, which I go back to again. I know. I Are know, the top know, lifters in the world lifting? How do you call it a world championship if the top lifters in the world aren't lifting? Well, you, it, because the world champion is still going to be the best in the world. Because the best U.S. can offer is still going ahead. It's just not going to be... Well, it can even be the second best U.S. can offer is still going ahead. It's just not... So the world champion is still going to be the best in the world. That's why it's the world championship. Okay. So here's my thing to the U.S. Top three nominations are five kilos apart or ten kilos apart. Mm -hmm. The next fucking world nominations across the board are 70 kilos below. You tell me that those top three people in powerlifting with a ten kilo well, difference are the top three I'm telling you the world champion is still the best in the world. Because <laughs> the best in the U.S. is still going. You just can't have the top five best in the U.S. But you're still sending your best. You're still sending your best. The best of that day. Well, that's for every. Well, that there's nothing you can do about that. That's for every sport, any given day. Buster Douglas is going to knock out Mike Tyson. That's just going to happen in sport, right? Like, there's nothing you can do about that. That's what makes sports so good. Because if it was always the favorites win, then fucking sports would be dull. If you don't have upset victories, that would suck. All due respect to the to the heavy favorites, but the underdogs got to win sometimes. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, all right, we already know. 
You don't even need to show up, fellas. Send us your nominations, you know what I mean? So that's okay. It kind of is what it is. But, uh, but anyway, sir, I got to smash some food. I'm starving. We've been over 10 minutes fucking going. You got any final thoughts you want to get off of your chubby chest? I disagree with you. That's it. And I don't. Just some disagreements. I disagree with you, and I don't like you. And I want to get you out of my house as soon as possible. That's good. You overstayed your welcome by about an hour and a half. And we're in about two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> okay, everybody. Until next time, I believe next we got Canada's Golden Boy, the first ever uh, Canadian to win a gold medal in the Open, whether it's men or women's, Eric Willis. And he did it on Canadian soil. Hell of a motherfucking story. And um, we also have another Canadian kid, uh, the Calgary Barbell, and, um, who was actually competing in his hometown world championships. Um, that's two recordings tomorrow. We'll drop them. Obviously, not on the same day. We'll space it out a little bit. But you definitely want to hear those stories because there's some background stories for both of those. So until next time, my friends, make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends about it. It's not just good for us. It's good for the sport. You get to hear people's background stories. We need this sport to grow. We need it. Everybody's got to get behind this. Do your best. See you.